Just hear those sleigh bells jingling, ring ting tingling too. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. Hello everyone and welcome to the 2020 SCG Radio Christmas Show. I am Lima Rock alongside Carl Jones. We're back, baby. G John Chase. I'm alive! And Kieran O'Rourke. I was already dead. <laughs> we are very excited to be back with all of you uh, this week. Our traditional annual mailbag show. Uh, you sent in your questions and comments to us uh, via email at scgradio at hotmail.com or on the Facebook page at facebook.com slash scgradio. We'll be getting to as many as we possibly can here today. Uh, before we get rolling... Uh, if you're new to the show, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. You can subscribe to us on Spotify. Uh, check out the 1991 series that we're in the middle of at the moment, the latest episode last week, uh, where Kyle Ross and I broke down April to June of 1991, looking at the trial of Dr. George Zahorian, uh, which was good stuff. Uh, we'll be continuing that in the new year. For now, it is the final show of the year. A lot of questions to get to. Carl, you said that you'd be drinking before, during, and after the show. Are you a man of your word? Uh, well, actually, as we're talking here, Liam, I'm just trying to get the light just right to get a picture of the laptop in one in one shot and the um, and the bottle that I'm drinking here, which is uh, St. Peter's Gatekeeper Gold Nail. If, if I've become one thing over lockdown, I, I think I mentioned it the last time we recorded it, I've very much become a beer snob. And this bottle looks almost like cough medicine, given the shape of it. But I can assure you, it tastes a damn sight better. <laughs> Kieran, the only yep. person in the world that cyberpunk appears to be working for. How are you going? I'm just killing some people with a samurai sword. Give me a second. I've got one more to kill. One more. Hang on. <laughs> He's actually playing it. <laughs> He's dying. He's dying. <laughs> I'm going to play this game the whole show just to prove it's not crashing for me. <laughs> and G, the only owner of a PS5 around the table. How are you spending your time recently? Uh, playing my PlayStation 4. Oh. Um, no, no, joking. Um, yeah, just spending, uh, just playing games. Luckily, uh, those haven't stopped uh, due to everything going on. Uh, so I've been playing uh, more Combat 11 at the moment and enjoying that. Ah, good stuff. So I, I know you got a pretty good deal on that too. Yeah, yeah. This is a hundred uh, pounds worth of content for fifty quid, which uh, you can't really argue. Out. It's literally everything. It's all the DLC. Also, get to play as RoboCop, Rambo, Terminator. There you go. What more uh, could you want? Get on it, no. people. So we've got a lot of questions to get to here, and a lot of them I'm kind of going to group together here early on, because uh, there's a lot of AEW talk and a lot of AEW questions. Good, so good, good. So we'll go very broad and general here. Nick Davis on the Facebook page starts us off with a very broad, how would you rate AEW's first year and a bit in operation overall? So your Ooh, thoughts, easy. thoughts this far, I suppose. Um, I think it's gone very well, uh, very well. Um, obviously, you know, there's been some like pitfalls here and there, you know, obviously everyone's going to probably comment on the women's division and uh, basically most of the things involving Brandy. Um, Dark Order was kind of a bit rough to begin with, but uh, I think really, uh, you know, I can't, I kind of delve into the Twitterverse every now and again to see what everybody thinks. That's a mistake. Uh, oh, obviously. And I think people kind of uh, haven't got like it in their heads that, there never has been a period in wrestling where everything a company was doing was perfect. Um, not even in the Attitude Era. I mean, if you if you go back and watch that stuff, yes, there's, there's The Rock and there's Austin and all that stuff, but there's also a lot of uh, a lot of woof uh, during that time period. So I think you kind of you got to take the the good and the bad. But the thing which for me, I'm, I'm a, I'll be a self-confessed AEW mark. You would not be uh, 
insulting me, even if you're trying to. Um, yes, there's been bad stuff, but it's greatly outweighed by the good that the company has done. And I think it's uh, they've been really impressive. And I think it's evident in the fact that their contract was renewed or upgraded, whatever you want to say, after like three months of being on air. I yeah. think that pretty much tells you everything about has their year been successful or not. And I think also to their credit, I think they've done a good job during this time period with COVID, um, with, 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 you know, can push forwards and continuing. It would have been very easy for them to maybe hold off on pushing a lot of people and waiting, uh, mainly thinking of MJF and Orange Cassidy uh, to kind of wait till the crowd's back. But they've just decided, no, nah, we just got to we got to keep going. Uh, and pushing forwards and tell these stories and the stories have been excellent um kenny omega is absolutely nailing it at the moment i was actually genuinely sad uh to see moxley lose the title because uh, yeah. i think he's been an exceptional champion uh my favorite champion in a long time i can't even think of a champion i've actually uh, whose reign i've actually enjoyed as much uh, i love doug harders obviously he's my boy but just Moxie's been phenomenal through to like his 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 matches, uh, the feuds, his promos. Um, I love the fact that he's kind of uh, kind of done almost a little bit of an Arn Anderson Arn Anderson thing where he's telling the truth during his promos and he's pretty much telling you what he's going to do uh, and how he's going to win his matches and then actually goes out and does it. And so you've got this babyface, and this is a very uh, weird notion, particularly for WWE, uh, where you have a babyface who isn't an idiot. <laughs> and it's actually competent they're smart um you know they're always take, getting one up on 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 the heels um yeah it's just been like just the whole show's wrestling wise has been carrying me through this uh whole year yeah we'll get to some more specifics in a second but again broad thoughts here kieran i know that you uh you and i talk a lot about AEW and uh general fondness for, for how things are going so it's been a year and a bit now of television um, your thoughts on kind of like some of the pitfalls, but some of the things that they've done very well as well. Um, I think in all honesty, if you take, um, like product quality and product execution is always going to divide people anyway in wrestling. It's well, in anything in the world these days, but the, for the first year of a wrestling company in the midst of a pandemic, against the biggest wrestling company the world has ever seen and ever will see because that's the company's only going one way and it's down. Um, <laughs> it's been an incredibly impressive year. Um, they've, because everything hasn't gone all their own way. It's not like, um, I mean, they've had a lot of advantages that, that have TNT on side, obviously. We've said it before, but I think maybe two years ago on, on, the, on the Christmas show, we, we get all... Well, get asked the, the question can a can a new company start up and we always said it needed you know only nice talent exclusive talent it needed tv more than anything else and it needed a financial backer with money and a clue and yeah the, the, the happenstance again all three and um so they've been incredibly lucky but they probably deserve their luck as well because of their own endeavor tony khan's um done a good job as in his position i think um uh, just incredibly impressive year. It's uh, I think people, people it, it, the, the output of the products have been very good, and I think people then jump on the bandwagon. Yeah, the, the pendulum of goodwill towards AEW. It's the same mm -hmm. in, in society in general. It's people go hyperbolic because it is much better than a, than WWE. That the 
the storytelling generally is much better. It's much more, it's an adult product that doesn't insult your intelligent a lot of the time. Um, by no means perfect, obviously, that there's, there's gaps in the storytelling. That's one one of the things, It's we shouldn't think the point I'm trying to get to in a roundabout kind of way here, is it's an incredibly impressive first year, but people shouldn't lose sight of the fact that it's their first year. It's like, When this thing started, um, double or nothing, if you want to call that at the start, the, the roster was incredibly thin. Um, there was no identity real to the show. Over the course of a year, 14 months, the roster has expended to the point where guys are, you know, they're trying to cram guys on or you don't see guys for weeks at a time, which I do not have a problem with whatsoever because are, are, are people forgetting why the, the, the business yep. burned their product so quickly and mm-hmm. why everything became so um, redundant in the storytelling and just excuses to, to re-chair matches? So that's the polar opposite of what AEW does in terms of, uh, of spreading out their key storylines and big angles. Um, in terms of the overall, I mean, they, they, they probably, Hotshot probably isn't the correct term in the context of what they're doing, but giving a lot of st- stuff away on TV. But that's the nature of where, where their money comes from. They are surviving and with a, a, a potential for a prosperous future because TNT is on board with them as that comfort blanket. So they've got to service the TV. So again, although I would, personally like some storylines spread out and told better uh, there's also a need for tv so it's an incredibly positive year incre- incredibly encouraging um impressive and um but also a learning experience for them which i'm sure they will continue to improve going forward i i find i find it interesting just to just quick go on a point that uh, kieran just mentioned i find it interesting how adaptable aw is um kieran's just mentioned about how they haven't had everything go their way um, it's amazing how like a company that obviously has a plan for most of the time on what they're doing are very easily adaptable when somebody, you know, ha- can't make it to a show or whatever. Yet WWE, who are constantly changing things on the fly, struggle to adapt <laughs> and it takes them a lot longer uh, to go through this COVID stuff. Oh, it's just fucking chaos. Carl, you're, yeah, the only one that, Carl, you're the only one that I don't speak to as frequently about AEW. What are your thoughts on the year overall in general? Well, you know, very relevant points have already been raised in the, in the sense of you've always got to bear in mind it's the first year of the company. Um, you have had the pandemic, which has screwed with a lot of things, not just uh, not just wrestling. Um, I, I, I suppose it depends on which track you want to take for me, really. If, if you want to talk about being sort of a, a viable commercial success, and there's, that, that, you know, that, that's undeniable. They've been renewed. They they are profitable. They've got all those key components on board, as Kieran has said. Um, I'm I'm generally in terms of the product itself. I'm I'm a bit more mixed on it. Um, and and again, this is something that just boils down to personal preference, really. I um a, a lot a lot of the acts in fairness, I I don't care for. Um, Dark Order being a prime example, I've got no no time for that whatsoever. Um, and a few of the ways some of the storylines have panned out have, have disappointed me, but that's just from a, you know, what I would like to see, well, what, who I'm sort of hoping for or what I'm rooting for as a fan type of thing. So that's, you know, that's not necessarily something to castrate the company over. Um, but the, the one thing I, I do find is that, particularly as a contrast with WWE, since, since we've mentioned them, a couple of times there is that um, 
uh, casting aside uh, whatever the hell the Thunderdome is supposed to be uh, and what they're trying to achieve with that, I do feel that AEW at least it has a vibrancy to the product. Mm. You know, it, 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 fe- it feels like it's moving. It, it doesn't feel sort of dull or monotonous, um, which at, at times Raw in particular can feel. But in, again, maybe that's going back to the old, uh, the old uh, issues of a three-hour show type of thing. But... No. Um, Oh, sorry. Sorry to interrupt you, Cobb. I just agree with you. I think what the um, it shows it was it was really I think it was evident from the very first week they had to go without crowds, mm-hmm. uh, both shows obviously. Um, AEW thinking about and looking at the product they put out every week, and trying to improve it. Okay, so the first week uh, and, and thinking about what makes an interesting, um, engaging show for the audience. Where it's you know so, so first week they lost that crowd noise so. The commentators worked hard, especially Giovanni that first few weeks, working really hard to create more um, kind of sensory input to the audience, um, and ch- changing like, the camera cuts and things like that. They were actively trying to find ways to make their shows more interesting and more palatable. Whereas WWE, it's, they're broached, again, their priority is really, it's, well, it's a production line. So what can we do that's sustainable over every week? And it's this shitty high-tech looking glitzy bullshit not taking it into account anything about the actual output of the atmosphere and, and the, the, the kind of sensory um input of, of the viewer it's it's completely the two different philosophies on putting out a product which is was so interesting and really kind of hit home about a lot of things about both companies um f- f- from the first weeks of the pandemic really for me what do you think about all those bored faces on the Thunderdome, though? <laughs> Isn't that not a sensory experience for us all? <laughs> I, I suppose I suppose they they would they would accept the bored faces over some of the more questionable things that got uh, shown on TV <laughs> during the uh, the early weeks of it. But uh, <laughs> well, that's it. That's the best but, part of all of that is the fact that like we talk about AEW and, and one of the things I think has been a huge boon this first year is you can tell that they're a thinking company. They they look for the things that are mistakes and they try and close the gaps. Or if they're doing something wrong, okay, well we'll adjust. With the pandemic, it was not. It did not take long for them to kind of figure out stuff. Whereas WWE just carried yeah. on doing the same show with like no one in the seats, and you just yeah, see all these that, seats that's, for that's, weeks. That's the thing in terms of contrast. Talking about those, that, that production side of things, and and before you even get to the Thunderdome, which in and of itself is a reactionary measure, and and to G's point, that all speaks to the fact of we've got a an old age pensioner trying to run the company still. Um, but that contrast initially where Raw and SmackDown, you are just getting the performance center in front of a bunch of empty seats. And it, you know, it can't look more uninteresting if it tries. <laughs> whereas, whereas, whereas at least AEW are trying to do different things, you know, and they, they had I, I hate to, you know, I don't sort of like using the term extras, but you know what I mean in terms of around around the nearby to the ring and the smaller settings and things and just trying Try, trying to give some sort of better visuals than what WWE were providing, and and on the subject of Kieran's point about commentary, um, yeah, as much as I, as much as I do dislike Excalibur, um, I would certainly by by and large, I would certainly take their their commentary offerings over what WWE gives, which I think is. I don't know if it's fair to say it's one of the less talked about. It's probably one of the things I come across uh, least in terms of discussions, but 
But I think it's it's one of the real more damning indictments of the company is that commentary and how difficult it makes it to watch the show at times. Yeah. Yeah. But use your commentary. The commentary is massive for me. Um, yeah. It's like especially it's 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 the gateway to telling the stories for them, the zeitgeist of your whole company, and it's it's what was so great in the attitude era. Um, you had a real feel and understanding of the environment of both, even WCW at times, um, a lot of the time, is you know, you felt that was part of the show and you, you got the stories coming in from the show. WWE is just completely fucking asinine bullshit. It's like mm. football commentary over here is completely turned the sound off. It doesn't add anything to it whatsoever. Um, <laughs> I, I think Excalibur's improved immensely as, yeah. uh, over the year. Um, I, mm. I'm a fan of it now, to be honest. I, I think, yeah, I think Scalibur's definitely improved. And for, for me personally, um, I think Shivani's been fantastic this year. Shivani's uh, awesome. I'm, I'm so I'm so glad he's, he's he's in this company. And also, um, again, maybe nobody agrees with this. I also think Taz has been really good. Um, I think both as a manager and also when he's been on commentary. Um, Taz is excellent. I just think like, yeah, just uh, just so happy. They're like two of my top like signings in that company. I just I've just enjoyed what they've brought to the table. And just having Shivani there. Because to, to go with, with uh, uh, Kieran's point when he was talking about like Shivani briefly, is um, there was like that little period in time where they didn't have JR and Excalibur. They were like at home due to obviously the travel restrictions. Yeah. And it was basically just Shivani and Jericho doing commentary. And it's, you know, Shivani's like having to do the play by play, which he doesn't really do necessarily week in, week out on AEW and hasn't done for years. I just thought how he was, how adaptable he is. Talking about that adaptability again of AEW. Um, that the Shivani could just go into any role and just knock it out of the park. I just think he's been fantastic in the I company. Think, I, I can't remember we said this before, um, but I think on, on the show, but, you know, when they started, they had Excalibur, JR and Shivani, and it's three guys who are all play-by-play guys in very different companies, mm. and they sat together and said, okay, work it out. And it did, it, t- it took a few months to really yeah. a rhythm. Um and they kind of all do play by play and color in their own context at different moments now. And it's they're just it's just when when who says what kind of thing depending on what kind of uh, what kind of point it is and who remembers to bring it up. Um, absolutely, it still needs to improve. Um, yeah. But but it's again it's signs of improvement. You can see the, the intention to improve, which is encouraging. It's sometimes that's all you can ask for is if if you like something, it's okay, it's it's good. But how do we make it better? Then at least they're trying. So. Yeah. yeah, and they uh, and they got a very low hurdle to jump over in comparison to WWE. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Don't even don't even compare it because it's yeah. It's... Uh, just to move this along a little bit here, my lovely wife did ask want me to ask a couple of questions to you guys since uh, she doesn't know. But your favorite in ring guys in AEW, around the horn. Oh, the the uh, uh, not not one saying too much like a homer, but uh, the revival easily. Mm-hmm. Okay, revival for you, G. Favorite in ring. Yeah, and, and just just before anyone jumps on it, that's how much of a homer I am. There, I'm still using the old name. <laughs> <laughs> revival, Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Um, revival. I was no, there from re- day one, baby. <laughs> it's not the Usos gimmick. G. G. Who's your big G? Uh, Darby Allen for me. Um, there's something I never. When I first saw him, I didn't think much of him because I didn't know anything about him. But very quickly, he's grown on me as a performer. And I think he's an absolute star. Um, there's just down to the look, how he presents himself in his promos, which is completely different to what anybody else is doing. Um, just everything down. And also like his movement in the ring. I just I just like the way how he kind of moves and he glides across the floor and everything. And just, 
there's just something visually about him, uh, both at, at the aesthetics and also like how he wrestles. Um, I just think fantastic and just really makes him stand out out of anyone else I watch. Kieran? Uh, I don't know. Wow. It depends on the style of match. I'm going to probably miss some. I, I love Ray Phoenix, obviously Kenny. Mm. Um, immensely loved Mox's champion, his, his work as champion as well, yeah. the di- different styles, depending on the opponent. Um, uh, uh, FTR, absolute fantastic tag team, unbelievable tag team. Books and unbelievable. Great. Yeah. In a different way. Like uh, I think it was only two weeks ago, yeah, Books and FTR both working with lesser teams mm. and both just pulling out unbelievable matches given the opponents. It's like these are both both excellent teams in different ways. Um they're gonna be doing it again next week as well. Hey, we'll we'll talk about we'll talk about that I'm sure at some point. Mm. Because Max Cass is the fucking biggest star in pro wrestling might happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'll vote Kenny for favourite in-ring guy. And my wife also wanted to ask you guys, favourite personality in AEW, taking away the in-ring? That's a, there's a million great... Yeah, uh, there, well, see, this is why yeah. I, I, I didn't answer Ooh. the thoughts on AEW's first year in a bit, because my big takeaway is I fucking love how many great promo guys there are yeah. in this promotion or just capable talkers to the point where I just love seeing... Like, MJF is probably going to get the nod. MJF is great, yeah. But Cody's but, fucking but, great in his own way, you know? Yeah. M- MJF, MJF should have... For me, MJF should have taken the belt off Moxley. No, I don't think so. I, 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 I maintain that. And I... I, I, I I must admit, I'm a little. I'm disappointed with how MGF's been used in more recent times. I, I I liked the way he was going and sort of wanted that separate association. I didn't I didn't want the linking with with Jericho's group really. But uh, but again, that comes to personal preference. But yeah, MJF is a brilliant talker. In terms of the the strength of personalities in the company, it's it's almost a bit frustrating in the sense that you feel like you want some of them talking more often. Yeah, I mean, T- Tully's one that gets gets mentioned, but he, he's mm. he's had more, a bit more promo time as time's gone. Arn, can you think of any any instance of Arn being used? He's, he's, he's using those the sit down videos. Yes, yeah, yeah. type and exposition in that respect. But, um, it's, but, it, but again, it's just you know, it's it, it's I, I sort of comes across a backhanded compliment from me, I admit, but it's that sense of there are so many excellent talkers there. It's sort of your favourites you wish you could hear more from because they're so mm. for for me um it's uh, i mean there's a lot as people already mentioned and moxie's a very close second for me as i already stated with his promo style but if you're talking about like promo and personality for me it's eddie kingston mm. just down kingston like since the moment he stepped in because uh, i saw a little bit of his work in nwa uh, i was like every time he opens his mouth i stop and listen it's just he just has something about him where it's like He's not playing a character. It feels like he's not playing a character. He feels like it's very real, very raw. I don't know. He's just he's just something about him that's mesmerizing. And like, and I, I messaged you um, earlier this week, and it was like the little details of how AEW promotes stuff. I just loved uh, on this week on um, Dynamite where they they addressed his segment, and usually it would just be like, oh, you know, we're going to hear from Eddie Kingston, and that's what they would usually say. But this this week they build it as Eddie Kingston will address his enemies. <laughs> and it was just it was just the phrasing of that. I just thought, well, okay, presumably he's going to talk about Pac and uh, Lance Archer, but generally because it's a, it addresses enemies, it could be fucking anyone. He could be talking about freaking Moxley. He could be talking about Cody. It could be anyone. It's, it you was don't anyone. Know with him. It yeah, was yeah. Anyone. 
started with God. <laughs> God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just there's something about man when he's on commentary. It's just like he's just I don't know. He just uh, it's just something really like engaging about him uh, that you just don't see very much. Kieran, favorite personality? Uh, oof, so many. Um, I mean, Jericho is the king still. Let's not forget mm. that. Yeah. Drastically haven't underrepresented Jericho so far in this 42 minutes of AEW talk. <laughs> um, Jesus, I just, again, there's so many horses for courses. What's the story? What's the angle? Uh, I think Brandy is capable of incredible babyface promos, which is yeah. why it makes me sad when she's just, I don't know, they're, they're trying to use her for, hey, at least she's pregnant. Like, Jesus Christ, Cody Rhodes, you absolute fucking genius. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I, I could do a little bit of let's, uh, fancy some babyface shine. My missus is getting in the way. She's going to fuck up the shack thing. I know what I'll do. I'll knock her up. Everyone's a winner. <laughs> Everyone's a winner. Good, on, good job. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I'd probably give a, a special shout out to Cody because I think he's just mm-hmm. the best all-round professional wrestler anywhere at the moment. Um, wow. I think he's phenomenal. Yeah. But I oh, will say boy. my personal... I may have my personal kind of uh, uh, wrestling crush at the moment is Max Caster. I, I just, Platinum Max, I just think there's so much you could do with him. He's so talented on that show. I said, in, in the world of Orange Cassidy, Max Caster will be king. <laughs> oh, can, I, can I also just briefly bring up, because again, we're just spoiled for choice. Um, also, uh, Rick, Ricky, yeah, yeah. Daddy, Ricky starts. <laughs> Man, he's oh, oh, Jesus, man. He's got charisma. He's got charisma. There's something about him that's just absolutely excellent. I think also uh, Sammy Guevara as well. I think Scott, so uh, many, a lot of charisma. <laughs> yeah, they so man, Loaded. they just found them. They just found them. Obviously, they signed some from you know XWWE guys and stuff. But man, they just found these guys. We're just like just buckets of uh, charisma. It's fantastic. I- I will bring this up here because Mo Ali on the Facebook page wrote a question that I'm not really sure how to answer. He just says, can AEW become the next WCW or TNA? To which my immediate answer Mo, would be, no. I sure fucking hope it doesn't become the next TNA. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't really get the question. Yeah, I'm not sure. What that, I, I guess it I think what's I... it's already it's bigger than TNA ever was. And yeah. can it get to be as stable as WCW? Time will tell. And I think that they got, mm. uh, you know, the jury's out until we get back to normal and that's not yeah. going to be for a little while yet. So um, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I assume he's, he's coming from the angle of, of something that is seen as genuine competition. Uh, well, with regards to the WCW bit anyway, TNA was never genuinely anything other than shit, but, um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm guessing that that's where he's coming from. And, and hopefully it's, it's WCW at the point where it was competitive and not, uh, not the uh, last 18 months to two years that uh, very much stained the memory. But, um, yeah, we'll, like you say, Liam, we'll see. Cause we're, we're, a long way from, we're a long way from normal yet. So that, that's why I always think when we, when we talk about how good or bad we think AEW's yeah. been in the first year, it's, I think it's always about that, that benefit of doubt given, given the surrounding circumstances. It's a marathon, not a sprint. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Uh, there's a couple more AW questions here. Carl Longhorn writes in and says, three questions for you in the panel for the Christmas show. Number one, actually, this isn't necessarily AEW specific. Breakout performer of 2020 for you guys. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll still stick with MJF on the basis of, you know, 
before 2020, I knew very little to, to nothing about him in truth. And so, like I said, I, I think he's been superb for the most part. I think that the one that may possibly run him close for a breakout, and again, I use this as on the basis of someone I have no knowledge of, really, which G's mentioned is um, Sammy Guevara. That, now, he's not someone who's sort of going to move the needle business-wise, but in that Jericho lackey role. He's brilliant. Uh, you know, with the pinnacle of which being the uh, the bad singing of um, of Judas was just tremendous. I don't know, man. I thought the, the stadium stampede when he gets fucking the, yeah. the, 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 the beeping of the golf cart coming back to get him. <laughs> that was that was awesome. Oh man. Um, I, I I would say uh, I'd, I'd go with Darby Allen again. Um, yeah, Carl, Carl Longhorn said Carl Longhorn did right say he for me yeah, it's Darby Allen. That's my that's bias. Right. I think um, I think maybe really Orange Cassidy should probably be mentioned. Or whether whether people like that act or not, um, he's definitely kind of had a massive push this year, um, particularly with the Jericho stuff. He just uh, from where he was maybe at the start of the year to where he is now, he's he's definitely had a, a he's definitely gone upstairs. Uh, I will before I throw to Kieran on this one, Carl. I I want to ask your thoughts on the dinner debonair. <laughs> oh. uh, Come on, Carl. The short answer is not really my cup of tea. I fucking loved it. I, don't <laughs> <so> it. <laughs> I just thought it was um, my only problem with it was context. It was yeah. it, like those two guys. Are abs- the end, they're the only two guys you can do it with, and it doesn't hurt them um, because it's so. So it's so it's such douchebaggery from two douchebags. It's great, but they weren't even together at that point. So why 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 was it happening? It was like I, I maybe just, I would like to just just reframe it slightly. So it was like it was MGF's idea to ingratiate ingratiate himself to Jericho or something. Just you know what the rhyme and reason behind it. Um, I'd like to reframe slightly. Would have been made it a bit more palatable. But yeah, your breakout star though, Key. Um, probably MJF. Yeah. Um, in terms of yeah, in terms of highest up the card, um, most meaningful from out of nowhere, obviously. Uh, him. In terms of the push, yeah, like Carl. Well, when the uh, well, as a prophet, obviously, I I said he was getting that title match four months in advance before they'd advertised it. <laughs> I actually said he was going to win the title then, and it felt. But then, as it rolled around two months out, he was nowhere. He was nowhere near ready to win the title. And John yeah. Moxley was nowhere near ready to lose it either, um, which is why I was quite happy. Although it wasn't doing the whole presidential vote for MJF malarkey, it was it was chicanery to mask that it wasn't his big moment. Which is yeah. you think about that. I always use the um, who's that fucker? It was Bobby Roo's partner, <laughs> James Storm. James Storm, the James Storm pushing T. I always think, I always go back to that one. It's the biggest fucked up opportunity of the guy who was ready to pull, who was presented as they were pulling the trigger and then they didn't. Um, so that's why you don't, with MGF, they kind of give that bit of bullshitteriness to it. So it's not yeah. really his, his full attention swing because he wasn't winning. And in terms of using MGF since then, um, I completely get Carl's, uh, where Carl's coming from, saying, you know, he has been enamored with his usage. But I would say it's not, along let, let's see where the story goes with yeah, the Jericho. build into something oh yeah that's 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 completely fair that's completely fair that's, that's why i say i'm in in a more general sense with aew I'm, I'm still kind of in the in the wait and see sort of mold i suppose mm. uh 
I think, yeah, breakout performance, I think I'm going to go MJF too. Uh, there's probably an argument for Drew McIntyre, but since WWE is such a fucking shambles, I find it hard to even like accept the idea that like anybody in WWE could win the award, so I'm going to go with MJF. <laughs> I just, I, I, I feel... I feel really sorry for him. Well, you know, yeah. as, as sorry as you can be for someone who makes a, a good living and probably still has, you know, a very nice, comfortable life. But yeah, to try and to try and have your your moment in that environment is you're, just your big year. You've been waiting for your whole life, and then there's no one there. It's you go just, over Brock Lesnar, and there's no one there. It, yeah, it's I'm just sorry. doomed doomed to fail, unfortunately. I, I I can't agree with breakout star for a guy who got the push as the next big thing fifteen fucking years ago. <laughs> yeah, but then he disappeared for a while. Well, it's not and breaking out, it's breaking back out, and that's not the category. So fuck <laughs> off, Drew. <laughs> and Drew. <laughs> Question number two from Carl Lancorn. How likely do you think it is that AEW will consistently crack 1 million viewers in 2021? And what do you think they need to do or continue to do to get there? Again, this might be a, a long one, so I, we'll try and go for brevity here. I don't think I don't think there will be a period in next year where they will have consistently 1 million. That's the key word there, consistently. I think we'll see uh, probably some along the lines of what we've been seeing the last few weeks where there'll be like certain events that they'll hold where, as you are talking about the television, uh, they'll they'll do like a big marquee match and they might break in like a million then. So I think you're just going to see it sporadically. Um, the main thing I think for them in 2021 is just kind of continue the course because we're still going to have obviously COVID lingering around and just tell tell their stories as as they please and build up talent as well which is what we've been, we've been seeing this week as well just um just kind of like softly softly really but i don't i don't think there's going to be ever a period in time where they're just going to have 1 million all the time i still think we're a little bit away from that well yeah i, I, th- I think it is well will it happen this close there's a lot of kind of elements in the equation mm. kieran it you will and happen. i were ta- kieran you and i were talking earlier this week on the phone about this question and I think the conclusion we came to is like when it comes to is there one big move they can make to get over the hump or maybe to o- even overtake WWE other than something outside of something outlandish like The Rock showing up, I think it's just going to be a slow and steady wins the race. Yeah, absolutely. You look at the the strengths of its fan base are the the young audience and a young audience takes time to grow and, and, and develop and and to, to expand. Um, so... You're looking for long term. Surely, if you're looking for long term um, sustainability and, and profitability in your own right, it's to grow that grow that young new audience, um, which again, so c- consistently putting out guys on TV. So it's a young roster. Um, get those young guys out there. Get Jungle Boy in his little pants. Get Wardlow out there looking <laughs> sexy AF. Um, <laughs> it's Darby Allen. All the it's so many young guys. Um, wow. People gravitate to them over time, so it's continued exposure of those guys. But then it's also using the more the, the more experienced and guys of a name to put some put some stank on those young guys. Um, the the one in terms of the biggest most notable thing short term stuff like the crossover with the subject crossovers. But then it's using those subject crossovers. Um, that was what was so frustrating with the Shaq thing. It's like yeah. A fucking load of people are going to watch because it's Shaquille fucking O'Neal, who's a massive fucking star and has been for like 20 years since he's, he was a rookie. Um, but they put him in a segment, a, a worthless segment with Brandy. Okay, I, I, again, extenuating circumstances, 
it's it's what did they have available to do there and then what can they you know that's going to tie in in theory at that point in time but if you're a casual if you're even a non-regular and you're tuning in because of the intrigue of Shaquille O'Neal on a wrestling show and then he's there in that segment there's no intrigue to watch again for you so if you're going to use guys like that you need some kind of you need some interaction with guys who, who may then appeal and intrigue the new audience who that have it's 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 brought in again going back to my boy platinum max caster as an example if they saw anything in which they obviously do um for example you got this snoop dog thing on the 6th of january if that's mm. if the intention of that is to get some different eyeballs then do some crossover with some kind of talent who may appeal to people who ha- have the inclination to tune in when they hear the name snoop dog Max Caster, for example, is a good example, given that he's got a rapper gimmick. Have him doing something cool and show off his talent in the thing directly with Snoop Dogg. So when people click on the little YouTube video and it gets 3 million views instead of 800,000 views, those extra 2 million people who may not normally watch the show are seeing this new guy and thinking, ah, yeah, I tune in because I'm interested in Snoop Dogg and this guy is pretty cool. He's pretty talented. Or some, just an example, but that's... Um, uh, that's that's the traditional way to successfully use um, celebrity crossovers. Look, at, I, think, I think my example would be the obvious example would be the Mike Tyson one. Although Tyson got that interest in, in, in uh, general population audience, the people who who stuck to it are people that they're interested in Mike Tyson because they like his attitude, his ass kicking attitude, and his personality um, and reputation and what WF did great was they interacted him with Steve Austin who has exactly the similar style of personality and attitude and people who like Mike Tyson and see might, might be interested in what shit he's got to do would then naturally gravitate to Steve Austin who was in the same segment who they just saw Mike Tyson with and that's how you get a bit of carryover going forward that's how it works in the perfect world so I think more if you're going to do celebrity crossovers get value out of it don't do it for the sake of it I th- Carl, I think, I think... Carl, oh, sorry, sorry, Carl. Any any additional uh, thoughts on the the how to crack a million? Oh yeah, just just to Kieran's point there. Obviously, well, several uh, Kieran's points that the the more traditional planning element is something that you you would hope would benefit them in the long term, which is that building the young, or or not necessarily even if, if they're young, but but fresh talent. And giving that rub from the established stars, and the point of the celebrity crossover is, it's that very succinct notion of put them with people who will benefit from the rub, a la Steve Austin, and not Brandy Rhodes. Which again, kudos to Cody for what he's managed to do. Um, <laughs> but I don't, in terms of them cracking a million going into next year on a regular basis, I, I can't, I can't see it myself. Well, one thing that they there's, well, there's a couple of things that could potentially get them there in theory. And one would be to just start hot shotting a load of things, you know. But again, that that that's I suppose that boils down to how much of it do you want to become sort of a a television vehicle as opposed to the old traditional model, which is about building the pay per views and that sort of thing. Um, one thing that the other thing that could possibly get them to around that million benchmark every week would be something completely outside of their control. And that would depend entirely on what USA Network and WWE were to do with NXT. Because mm. I think with, without NXT, I would say they probably crack a million most weeks now. Mm. Yeah. You know, they, they, no way. They, 
They d- <laughs> no fucking way will USA move. No, I'm XT. Garen, I I agree with you completely. I, I I'm merely just saying it's a hypothetical, the one that could get them there, but it's something that's completely outside of their control. I don't I don't see it happening in any way, shape, or form. Um, I, I'm not entirely sure that USA particularly care about the numbers fluctuating too much, as long as they're sort of in the realms of where they are now for that show. It's more just about harming the competition. Absolutely. Which, which to WWE is AEW, not letting them get off the ground, uh, which hasn't worked. And in USA Network's case, it's not wanting to cede anything to TNT. Well, it's but, protected um, that billion-dollar investment as well. How bad would that look? They, they remove NXT off Wednesday, and Raw's getting its ass beat in 18 to 49 every fucking week. And no, that's... It, that's that, that's what NXT is there for. It's, it's there's a cock block and no other reason. It's just, yeah, it's just, it's very it's very hard for me to envisage a situation in which they're getting to a million every week going forward next year. And I'm not entirely sure how important it is. Really, obviously, TNT are perfectly happy with the numbers now. The company was. I, I'm not sure on the financials now. One of you might have a better idea than me. But obviously, they were profitable before everything was hitting with the pandemic. So how that affects sort of you know, year end bottom lines on that, I'm not entirely sure. But you know, the, the the financial indicators were perfectly positive. So I don't think a million is essential in that regard. Um, as long as that 18 to to, to 49 stays healthy. Um, and I'm, I'm guessing a lot of people have that million benchmark in their mind. In large part because of what TNA used to regularly do on Spike, mm. but what benefit of that? What benefit was that to TNA? As as we all know, they tried to focus on TV. That that you know the dynamics of which were much different back then to what they are now in terms of what people are prepared to pay for your content. And what did what did that million you know that one on that one point one rating translate to them for by, by the end of it all? Somewhere in the region of seven to ten thousand buys when it was all said and done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, final question here from Carl Longhorn, just to steer away from AEW now. After a shocking 2020 for WWE, can anything recover interest in the promotion for the panel in the short term? My answer I, is no. Nope. <laughs> Nothing. Bye. In the short term is the key phrase there. That there Nobody's is no. Come across that way. Oh, go ahead, Carl. I was. I was just going to say the. As glib as it will sound, the only short-term thing that might shake it up is Vince's departure. And you can interpret that word however way you wish. <laughs> How about if... Oh, this is the thing. Like, Even if something shocking happened, like a key AEW guy gets scooped, I'm just going to be distraught for them. I'm not going to watch. Yeah, because yeah. it's just like, you, you're fucked. MJF, for example, I don't think he will. But if MJF one day just shows up on Raw, I might watch the promo to see what happens. But th- th- there is no, there has been so much faith destroyed in WWE over the years. And actually, this ties into the next question, which is great here. Suki saying on, a, on the Facebook page, writes... Was there a specific moment when you realized that WWE weren't creating a product you were interested in, or was it a slow grind to a halt? Love the show. Glad to see it's made a return. Merry Christmas, lads. Thank you very much. But I think that the question there is, is perfect. It's the slow grind over the course of 20 years, where it's like, you know what? 
I'm just fucking. Yeah. I don't. I don't give a shit anymore. You have no more devices that you can use yeah. to intrigue me because you've burned them all. I don't give a fuck who wins the Royal Rumble because yeah. now you've got two, yeah. and and you don't protect it anyway. None I don't care. Mean anything. The gimmicks don't mean anything. WrestleMania feels like a slog. We've we've seen these pushes go up and down, up and down. Nothing means anything. So there is no short term solution anymore. That's yeah, that's that's just... the issue. Can I just say, Liam, to, to piggyback off your point there about um, about MJF, I think we all know by week by week three or four, mm. it's not MJF anymore. That's it. Yeah. That's right. The, with the way they do things, and it's you're you're right. For me, it's for me, it's been a I would say a, a general slow grind from sort of what I don't know, two thousand three, two thousand four onwards. Yeah, you know, it, it's not it's not like one event just happened and all of a sudden I've just stopped caring. It's been that, you know, death death by a thousand cuts sort of analogies is, is how I'd describe it. Um, if I was to give a more recent example of of, this, of of that sort of thing that has irritated me over the years though and has stopped me caring, and it, it links back to the MJF point, it's what happens with talent when they're called up from NXT. Yes. Yeah. Before yes. before NXT was on USA, I should stress here. It's that notion of I got to a point where I didn't want them called up because yes. look what happens to them. FTR aren't with the company anymore. Jason Jordan, they decided to split from Chad Gable, so there was no reason to care about him anymore. And you give him the Angle Sun storyline. Chad Gable became Shorty G, so why care about him? And you know, it just sort of. On and on and on. It's just a, a repeated cycle of, oh, they're going to call him up now. Well, well, Vince doesn't really watch it properly, does he? So, yeah, he's not going to like him. So they end up doing nothing with them. And look at the latest bunch of cohorts from Retribution as another example. <laughs> Carl, Carl just absolutely nailed the, the question there. Um, it's, it is that. It has been a bit like a virus, really. Just slowly just kind of like whittling away at you um over time but ironically the thing that has killed it for me has been nxt uh where at one point obviously nxt was like this bastion of like oh God, at least we get some good stuff there but you did have that dreaded feeling like carl said when anyone got called up you're like i don't want them to get called up i don't want to see chomp or gargano go up to the main roster because they're going to destroy these guys their track record is abysmal they haven't done anything with anybody and so by that point, you, what you're doing is you kind of lost faith in the future. They they might find reasons for you to watch in the present. Like, oh, look, look, we got this match. Yay, that's fun. But what makes you continue watching a product is what's coming in the future. It's like you have to have a reason to invest in a product. And that's what NXT uh, and WWE have lost. And what AEW for me has is like with AEW, you can see their future. You can see their young stars and who might be the future of that company. NXT just... There's just no faith in the product anymore. And it's, yeah, it, it was that that absolutely killed it for me. Um, but I think that, that the final the final straw, really strangely for me, was, was actually Dean Ambrose. Um, it was, I, did, I, I don't know if you remember this, Liam, from when we, we talked about it. I really didn't like Dean Ambrose <laughs> in WWE. Um, I liked him when he was in The Shield initially. I kind of thought, like, oh, I can see what everyone's talking about. This guy might be special. But as soon as he split with the shield, I did not like Dean Ambrose. And obviously now I realize it's how they used him. It's how they used him. It's how they booked him. But at the time, I just I didn't like the guy. I just didn't like the guy. I didn't like anything about him. I He turned me off the, the product anytime he was on or champion. And then as soon as he left, 
and he went to AEW and I saw him being what he wants to be. I was like, he's my fucking hero. Like, <laughs> I, I love this guy. I, I fucking love this guy. He's my hero. And it's like, damn you, WWE. Why did you make me hate this guy? Because you bastards. This is a guy who, who's now like my hero. And for like years, I hated him. And it's because of you. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I've had enough. And that's literally, that's officially when I stopped. That's when I just went. All the other stuff that Carl brilliantly mentioned with, with NXT, that was all grading me over time. But that was like the final straw when I went, I've had enough. I've had Kieran, enough. Shit, I'm Kieran, <laughs> Kieran, what say you? Death by a thousand cuts or one moment? <laughs> well, I mean, it was probably, I'm trying to think of the exact moment. It was the, the realization that WWE was now a parody of a pro wrestling company that they don't actually any decision they make isn't literally any decision they make is not a decision made with wrestling fundamentals in mind it's um kind of extrapolations of it from their own warped world and it's and i, I guess the probably actual moment I completely lost all interest. Like I, I you know, stopped subscribing, don't watch any WWE at all anymore. Um, it would have been going to Vegas and watching Double or Nothing because yeah. that was that was the epiphany that uh, my interest in wrestling had waned because of the shit parody of a, a pro wrestling that WWE had been force feeding me, and because it was the only relevant product in in the English speaking world. That was what I was naturally going to watch, and so it was. Yeah, it, it was. It was creating. It was. It was what wrestling should be under a microscope of AEW. Um, really showed showed up what WWE isn't about anymore, and why I have no interest in watching their 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 products that is not pro wrestling. Yeah, yeah. Um, moving along here, Niall Clark on the Facebook page says. And I just reread this. Thoughts on The Undertaker's retirement and coming out of his... And I believe he means to write some kind of kayfabe taker hybrid word, but he's written kayaker. Uh, written, come out of his kayaker shell this year. So I guess coming out of his uh, kayfabe Undertaker shell this year. Kayaking shell. I like that. <laughs> that, that, that he's now, I, li- I like thinking of, uh, thinking of Undertaker and this giant kayak. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my thoughts, I'll kick it off. I, it should have happened a long, long time ago and yeah. I couldn't care less. I couldn't give a shit less that it's happened now. Uh, I, I, I did not, <laughs> I did not rate the last dance, the last, uh, I did rate the last dance. I didn't rate the uh, last ride series of documentaries as much as a lot of people did. I thought they were massively overrated. And with the exception of like the final part, I thought that they were pretty fucking rank average documentaries, to be honest. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll who wants to go first here? Kieran, you, seem oh. like you have some thoughts. Uh, Undertaker, not really. Um, I thought he retired when <laughs> WrestleMania a couple of years ago. When with Roman, yeah, mm. yeah, when he laid his gloves in the middle of the ring and then walked yeah. off. Well, that that was it. That, as far as I'm concerned, that's when he retired. I don't give a shit about anything he's done since. So, no. Carl, Carl, what were you gonna say? Well, it's just it's it's years after when it should have happened, which which dilutes it in the in the first instance. Um. If there was any reason to care at all, and I'm hard-pressed to think of one, uh, with it happening recently, that would then further further be diluted by it taking place in the Thunderdome. Um, and the whole documentary series thing, again, there's, there was no real plan by now. That's not something that's long been thought out and pro- you know, sort of properly formalised as a, 
as 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 a strategy or a plan for something going forward. That's just Vince's knee-jerk reaction because he saw the all the pop all the publicity that the Jordan documentaries were getting. Yeah. Yeah. G, um, G, your thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, health-wise, I'm glad it's it's finally happened because I mean, he's pretty much been held together with uh, Pritstick now, but. Uh, yeah, I, I can't agree with all the all you guys really. It's just like it, it felt like the actual probably like the official retirement was back at Mania with Roman Reigns with the boots. I mean, that's what you that's what you're supposed to do, isn't it? Um, but I I kind of zoned out like round WrestleMania 30 for obvious reasons. It's like okay, your your big sell, the reason for you to keep coming back every year is now gone. Like go, go then. You know, it's like you, you're done. And yet he he lingered around for like another five six years. Um, I didn't watch those documentaries. I heard a bit about them. I've seen little snippets of it. Um, I'm kind of enjoying a little bit of the stuff of him, like on social media and stuff, like him just kind of coming out of his shell a little bit because it's maybe quite like it's quite entertaining, quite freeing for him. I'm sure after being like so fixed in the kayfabe. But other than that, I just really don't care. It should happen like a long time ago. Yeah, he, he really wasn't adding anything more to the business these last I, few years. I am not one of these folks that has a big emotional attachment to the undertaker so mm-hmm. when they when that documentary the first part of the documentary where it's like I, I hate god damn it like they've done some good documentaries in the past but i feel like the documentaries of this company have just been a shower of shit with the exception of the edge one which was pretty good earlier this year with the exception of that like the undertaker ones like they've got their same little fucking narrative techniques they use and they suck balls like mm. they th- you know you just knew that the story they were going to try and tell was how the Roman Reigns Undertaker match was actually quite shit and the Undertaker was unhappy with it. But then they show the match and they show it in like the, with this slow motion with the fucking guy crying in the crowd and pounding his chest as they play yeah. thank you Taker. It's like, this feels so fucking fake. I, 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 even this, which is supposed to be like the, the big real coming out of looking inside the Undertaker. It's like, it was only the last episode that felt that it was actually genuine. Like, and I just, yeah, massively overrated. Niall also adds as, a, as an additional thing. I don't know about you guys, but I can't watch modern wrestling. Uh, I can enjoy most errors before, he says, but I'm not a fan of current WWE and I tried AEW to no look. Uh, it means I often get my wrestling fix going back to old events. And when I, re- when I watch them, I realize how much better the product was. So my question is, what things do you miss from previous eras that no longer exist in modern WWE? Personally, I miss the old sets for pay-per-views. I always felt they added to the personality mm. of the show and made the shows feel special. Having the same shit screens every month with a different logo is dull as fuck to me. I understood and liked the minimalist approach of the golden era but fuck me the stages are so boring now i uh in terms of what's missing from modern wwe the stages are a part of it but there's a lot more yeah. <laughs> actual actual but, baby faces but, and heels would be nice yeah, yeah I, well, I mean, sorry go on g so, so i mean i, I mean uh, yeah i miss the backlash hooks as much as the next person but the, there's there's plenty of problems over there as you just mentioned with the baby faces and heels um one just actually having baby faces that are actually competent and likable um that's the key thing because surely you're supposed to like the baby faces more than the heels that's got to be like the most rudimentary description for them and which again not to be the broken record as the mark that's what AEW does all their baby faces are likable all their heels are marvelously assholes it, it's just I, th- I think i think it's just uh, when it comes to wwe it's just having engaging interesting defined and varied characters yeah, I think uh, a big one here is obviously their inability to book a babyface now is quite legendary. It's been over a decade of this, so it's this is not breaking any new ground to say. But 
you can only take that for so long. And, and one of the things I really hate about modern WWE, and I have done for years now, is this fucking X Factor vibe that you get from all the guys feeling like they're lucky to be there. And like, oh, it's my dream to be here on this stage for all of you. It's like, fuck, where, where are the fucking men? Where are the it- men? Uh, you, you can't say where are the men live, and that's 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 not very 2020. Um, Even if it was the women I, saying it, where were the fucking alphas? There we go. <laughs> yeah. I, I get the point he's saying about the the aesthetics of the shows, and, it, and it's something I completely agree with. And it's it's one thing that AEW did nice and early with that. Yes, yes, the TV set looks the same, but the big shows have different get-ups and things like that. And it, that that's almost sort of the the sauce on the side of the meal, isn't it? Whereas the, the real issue is the fact that the meal sucks. <laughs> Well, it's basically a plate of Brussels sprouts. Um, but your, your baby faces have been kneecapped for years, generally at the altar of McMahon, um, either either off-screen through Vince's booking or through the particularly wretched years of Stephanie just cutting the balls off every bloke and yeah. demeaning every woman in sight. Um, so you don't feel the urge to want to get behind any of them uh, because they're so going back to the whole alpha sort of language, subservient. Mm. And a big one for me, and I I know I've harked on about it on previous podcasts, and it may sound a bit redundant at this stage, but I watch wrestling not because I want to see this week's interpretation of the variety show. Mm. What I yearn for is that sporting backdrop to everything. And so for me... I want wins and losses to matter. Yeah. I want that to mean something. Someone gets on a roll that you can get behind. Mm-hmm. The, the, the 50-50 booking, which isn't a new phenomenon, is something that really did deflate me over time. I think that the thing for me is it's, and probably this coincides with the previous question about losing faith in WWE or losing interest. It's, it's the slow decline away from, um, or the emphasis of the company being the star and not the individuals, because yeah. yeah. uh, that ties into my point about them losing the, the, the principles of pro wrestling, because pro wrestling is about creating two, creating characters and then creating a reason for those characters to fight. But the characters have to be the biggest stars on the show, not the fucking company. And because the company is, that's why wins and losses don't matter, because everything just churns around in a big whirlpool of shit until <laughs> we get to the end of the three hours, and then it's time for the next. <laughs> I, I did uh, I did have a, a bit of a, an epiphany recently just to kind of just more emphasize the original point I was making when when as to, to thinking about what is it that m- makes AEW different to why I love it so much and enjoy it and I was thinking like what is it that I want from a wrestling product today and strangely I'll get castrated for this I'm sure but number one wasn't great wrestling um and I think the reason why is because even if AEW didn't have great wrestling, luckily it does, there are other places you can go to to see just a great match. If you just want to see a singular great match, you know, you can go to a New Japan, um, you know, you can, there are good matches on NXT and, and so on and so forth. The one thing that AEW does differently, which I don't feel I'm getting anywhere else, as I already mentioned, is characters, is storylines, uh, is, is good booking. Uh, you know, uh, Carl was talking about wins and loss records uh, actually meaning something. Um, I think just a reason to keep tuning in, seeing these characters develop and interact with each other and the stories. Um, I'm immediately thinking of like the Cody Rhodes Jericho stuff. Uh, I know that was last last year, but um, but also like Jericho and Moxley, like uh, and so on and so forth. Just seeing um, these back and forth promos, these characters, these defined roles uh, going back and forth and telling a story that was actually interesting. 
the, the, the best match for me this year was that tag match at Revolution with uh, the Bucks, Kenny and Hangman. And just being so excited to watch that match. Not just because, yes, they're all four great wrestlers. I'm sure the wrestling action will be fun. But I just wanted to see the story. I was so engaged in it. I was like, is Hangman going to turn heel? Is Kenny going to turn heel? Are the Bucks going to turn heel? Is Kenny going to turn heel with the Young Bucks? Is no one going to turn heel? Or are they all going to turn heel? That doesn't make any sense. But it doesn't matter. It's just like, I just wanted to... And, and I wasn't like desperate to like find out beforehand. I was just like, I'm just ready to sit back and just let these four guys tell me their story. And I was absolutely captivated by it from minute one right through to the finish. And that's that's what I want. That's what I've been missing. I've been missing and so on. I've been missing these guys that are just engaging, always interesting, great promos, and just people you can get behind. And just to kind of wrap up Neil's point here when he mentions the old pay-per-view sets, talking about Revolution, I fucking love that thing they did at Revolution where they hit the fans, had like the coloured wristbands, so it looked like the entire building was lit up. That was awesome. Um, Let's get to Tom Spencer here, who emailed in and says, what are Carl's thoughts on the recent passing of Zeus? (laughs) 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 <laughs> Carl, we had a couple of these on the message boards. There, there were there were a few on message boards. Um, I think it was you'll, you'll have to forgive me if I get it wrong, but I believe it was Pat Dooley who sent me a message on Twitter about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's slightly concerning that people thought I would take some sort of glee in it somehow. <laughs> you know, that, that that notion of yes, he's dead. I'm finally right, sort of thing. <laughs> it's just, I just. Um, uh, yeah, it's it, you know, ter- terribly sad for him and his family, particularly this time of year. And I, but my mind did immediately go back to Liam just the number of times you corrected me on that one. <laughs> and just to add to this theme, Lucas Vinnell on the Facebook page says, Carl Jones, he singled you out, Carl Jones and the boys' thoughts around the oaken table about the passing of Pat Patterson. What, he singled me? I don't. I don't recall ever declaring early doors that Pat Patterson was dead when he was very much still alive. No, I think I think that your your needling of uh, Mr. Patterson over the years <laughs> yeah. has, has maybe no, drawn, the, drawn your name. The jabs. Yeah, the, the, the needling should hopefully just be seen as maybe crude and sometimes admittedly a bit distasteful humour, perhaps. It was actually it was, it was one of those that I was particularly sad about actually. Yeah, me too. Just because, mm. and I know I know this. Maybe this isn't how he would have wanted to be remembered as such. I don't know, but my my mind immediately did go back to '98 and the and the run of the Stooges, which was just um, you know that that's that's a good use of that's an example of good use of comedy in wrestling because it's Vince's lackeys that are being utterly ridiculous. It's not Austin being made to you know, get a cream pie in the face or something like that. It's, you know, it's it's the underlings who, who can be treated as the jokes, which doesn't undercut the, the main stars. Um, you know, and, and, and him and Briscoe did those did those roles with aplomb. And even in, in his advanced years, Patterson could still throw one hell of a punch. Oh, good, yeah. Uh, so, some, of those, some of those he was laying into the posse were exceptional. Um and one thing I did in the last um, the last week or so after hearing the news was I immediately fished out the uh, the Patterson Slaughter match from the MSG. The alley fight. The alley yeah. fight. Which, uh, and again, my, I was immediately just drawn to Pat Patterson and his work punches. Just wonderful. Yeah. It really jarred me when it happened. It's like, God damn, like, that is such an important... When you actually take in everything, yeah. like, that is such an important person in the history of this 
you know, the, oh. the wrestling world we have now in terms of just Vince's right hand man for all the for basically the Round years the when Vince knew what Does, the fuck he was doing. I suppose it, is it fair to say it feels like that sort of it feels like a break in the chain, doesn't it? It does because yeah. you, you take away you know not even if you just put the Patterson the character the worker just to one side just and just sort of shelf that and you were to just talk about his impact in the office you know that that in itself is is you know so noteworthy in terms of yes it's it's being it's having the 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 creative mind for the rumble and booking a lot of those royal rumbles and things and i suppose the the lieutenant for vince for so long is just uh yeah, for that for that to just be gone now, and when you think that obviously Briscoe's not not with the company anymore, I suppose the the only link to sort of I don't want to say the past, but that sort of that 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 sort of that thing that's connected what we think of as, as sort of what I'll call the Vince era of, of wrestling and, and WWE is, and the only person left really, and this is not a positive in any way, is Pritchard. <laughs> well there's Vince himself like you say but um, as yeah. me and Kieran discussed the other day on the phone we have a conspiracy theory about the state of WWE and Vincent Mann do we not Kieran oh, oh go on wow what would, a, what would a Christmas show be without Kieran's conspiracy corner <laughs> <laughs> it's back it's back baby yeah um, uh, you know lots of talk we, we, we're talking about you know obviously the and it's been mentioned already the uh, when Vince is no longer with us and um, I was just thinking about it. I was connecting a few dots, dropping a few logic bombs. And it dawned on me, really, that he's probably actually been dead for oof, at least probably five to ten years, Liam. Uh, <laughs> the, 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 the Liam mentioned seeing Vince looking like a corpse um, on the, Undertaker, uh, the Undertaker malarkey. Oh, I didn't see it, obviously, because I don't give a shit. Um, and, yeah, it dawned on me that it probably is maybe i'm playing a little bit too much cyberpunk but it is entirely possible that vincent man is an animated corpse and weekend at bernie's <laughs> and um i'm thinking that's why the actual product is so shit now it's not because vince has lost his mind it's because he's actually dead he, he was a genius he's unfortunately no longer with us and he hasn't been with us since about 2010 i'm thinking i'm thinking Liam, do I tell him about the Chris Benoit tie-in? Cause... Oh, Jesus. Oh, Please. Oh. This bit, so... <laughs> you can't, the idea, you can't the just idea... leave that out there. You've got to share that with the group. So the idea is that Vince is a marionette, basically. Being, the, the strings being pulled by Triple H, as always. I, I, well, it may be Triple H. It might be Bruce Pritchard. Is there anyone left? I think the experiments will probably first be conducted on Chris Benoit, given his natural robotic nature, they thought. If he goes a little catty bumpers, no one will know. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, because you think about this, you think about it, when did they first do the Vincent Mann dying angle? It was around this time, wasn't it? And it's it limo, yeah. Boom. Oh, Lord. Boom. It all went catty bumpers because, because uh, Benoit actually short-circuited, and we know what happened there. Well, now we know. And uh, so that's when they brought Vince back. But he's actually, he, he, may, he might have actually been dead then, to be honest with you. Oh, oh Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> that's a take. <laughs> you can't prove it's wrong. You can't prove it's wrong. No. <laughs> 
Chris Jones emailed in and said, Welcome back, gents. Great to hear you back, although nowhere near frequently enough. <laughs> I don't know if that last take. Uh, anyway, my question is one to get you thinking. You did a show back on episode 100 talking about the Mount Rushmore of greatest all-rounders. Uh, Bret Hart should have made the cut, says Chris. And that got me thinking, who is on the Mount Rushmore of wrestlers to never win the big one, the world title in their respective promotion? Uh, he says, to start you off, mine would be perfect DBRC, Jake and Owen. What are the thoughts of the virtual Oaken table? Thank you, Chris Jones. Thank you very much, Chris. Well, if I can just jump in there um, first, purely because we, I have three, three of this, um, three of those on my list here, and um, it's one of those. Actually, I, I racked my brain a bit on the, over this one, Liam, on the basis of when we talk about the big one. You know, do we discount certain promotions? Say that's not really a world mm -hmm. title and all that sort of thing. Are we just thinking about WWE. So. I, I'm not sure if I've necessarily gone up on the right track here, but um, but I, I went with Henning, Owen, and uh, Roberts was one of the other three, you said, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, and the fourth one I put down here was Jerry Lawler. Ah, uh, okay. Cause he, yeah. When, when you think about, and, and yeah, it's, it's going back years and, I'll, I'll readily admit, I did not grow up in the peak of Jerry Lawler by any means, but watching as much of his old stuff back as I can um, and thinking about just how bloody good he was, mm -hmm. uh, to not have that world title to his name, um, yeah, I, I thought he was he was one worthy of a mention. It might be, I dare say, the, the three of you might throw out some names now and I'll think, oh, yeah. Shit, I should have thought about that one, because I am I am modern over Debiossi there as an example. But those were the those were the first uh, the the four that I I kept coming back to when I was thinking about this. Yeah, Lola won Lola won the AWA title, but that's yeah. you know. But by, by the time you got yeah, it, again, like... that's, that that's that's why I sort of caveat was saying I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah, what are we talking? Are we talking just WWE? Well, I don't know won, because because Hennig says... won the AWA, didn't he? He did, and I suppose there you go. But when it comes to the big one, I guess it means the NWA world title, the WF title during that period of time. I personally wouldn't put Owen on this list, by the way. No. Uh, did Piper win the world title? No, uh, Piper's online, but no, Owen, he... Owen, I don't think ever should have been a world champion. No. Like, no. He's, he, he, he was great as Brett's foil. I've said this before, but it's like, I don't yeah. think that Owen Hart, like, when, when would he have won it where he would have been the best guy in the promotion to win it? Like, I don't think that that's really... His best chance was 94, but he had Brett, so... Um, yeah, exactly. And, like, he's only in the top mix because of Brett. Like, if you, if yeah. you take Brett Hart away, Owen Hart, who was awesome, don't get me wrong, I love Owen Hart, but, like, yeah. Owen, you know, not everybody who's great should be the world champion. I don't think Owen really fits mm. the bill. Personally, um, I would go Piper. I would go DBRC. I'd, yeah. go, Tom, I'd go Tomohiro Ishii. I think that he's been yeah, so great for so long that he probably should get a... He, should, he could get a run that I think people would buy into. Shabata before he... Shabata before, yeah. Um, where hey, do you stand up? Hang, hang on, you know, the question isn't who should be world champion. The question is your Mount Rushmore of wrestlers who have never been world champion. Ishii yep. on your Mount, Mount Rushmore yeah. of, world champ, of guys who've never been world champion, surely. I think he's that good. I think yeah. he's that fucking great. I think he should be a main yeah. event guy. I, I, I and, and, and um, what do you think, Key? Uh, uh, Piper was the first one to come to mind. Yeah. Um, definite. Uh, da, 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 what did who said? Some oh, Lawler, absolutely. Um, um, uh, did did Andre ever win a world title? He, he, he beat Hogan for it in the main event with that. Oh, of course he did. Oh, that's stupid. Yeah, but then, it, but, but then he, it was it was it was a it was a sham. <laughs> Twin yeah. refs. 
Yeah, yeah, of course he did. I keep forgetting that. Sold it. Yeah. Uh, let's 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 move course here to a, a more speculative, ridiculous question. Alice Norton emailed in and said, "Hello, everyone uh, at the virtual Oaken Table. Hope you and the listeners are keeping healthy, happy, and safe." Uh, a forum I'm on has an end of year awards listing for wrestling, and one category is Carney of the Year, awarded to whomever or what promotion has pulled the most in the business swerve or tactic. So I'm just wondering who or what you would nominate in a year that's contained screen-based fans to keep the visual of an audience, promotions refusing to take a break during the pandemic pandemic and Vincent Mann banning performers from using Twitch. Kind regards. I was going to say um, Jim Cornette. Because, oh! Jim Cornette because he has become a complete parrot himself and even if he's got something good to say it's on his like his YouTube that he tries to direct everyone towards the, the, the little clip video um, like poster frames the images are it's all AEW baiting. It's so he's a troll, and it's done to for his own financial benefit. I don't know how much I believe, how much of it he actually believes, or how much he doesn't believe, because like he's a complete worker and a complete carny. So um, uh, it, Jim Cornette's carniness has been really exposed to me this year. That's mm. gonna hurt. That's gonna hit you, Carl. That's a good. Well, choice. it's 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 an always an interesting one in the sense of I I always think with whether or not it's it's right or wrong I generally view the Cornet stuff as stuff for the most part that I think he believes but the, it's more about the way he puts it across I I, I don't doubt for a, I can honestly believe he probably hates Kenny Omega for example just to use one as an example um, but I think it's done in such it's, it's done in that the way it's done to antagonise and, and and for the effect, as Kieran's pointed out, so it's 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 a good shout for Carney probably. But I um I just think he, he comes across he's come across like the fucking pro wrestling's Donald Trump, specifically yeah. Donald Trump, because the, the the week when Trump's calling bullshit on the election, he does exactly the same spiel about the wrestling observer voting. It, it's like you actually you are actually using Trump's own lines now. It's ridiculous. You are Donald Trump of pro wrestling to sustain anything to get a bit of heat. And it, uh, oh, it's it's it's. I, I would I would never dispute that it's done. It's done in a way to to yeah. to get the maximum effect. I suppose I'd say. Um, I suppose I'm always I'm I'm always skeptical on the on the whole Meltzer stuff just because. Obviously, he had the falling out with uh, with Cornet's co-host as well, and yet they still seem amicable in some sense. So I was, I, I initially thought they Vince because of well, because he always is, and the the Twitch stuff I found particularly annoying. I guess I I can't I can't think of the thesaurus is down, but I think I think Kieran's nailed it. I think it's I think it's definitely Cornet this See, year for all the reasons. Yeah, I think the, it's him. The, the Vince thing banning Twitch. Was anyone honestly surprised? To be honest, I was surprised it went that long where people were able to make money outside of WWE without Vince getting his fucking hands on it. Like, it, that's not a, that's not a surprise to me. I'd, 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 no, say, that, I'd say I'm shocked but not surprised. That's that's just that's just Vince being Vince. Like like you say, Liam. I think it's it's a surprise to all of us that it actually managed to gain any traction in the first instance before it was kiboshed. I mean, do we remember the glory days of Tout? I believe you still have an account there. <laughs> but um, I suppose Vincent's an interesting one 
in in terms of stuff like uh, because of what he's trying to to portray the image he's trying to portray the notion of um of the going back to the thunderdome again to give the impression of fans there and uh and particularly things like wanting to put the a lid on the whole covid things so i know that the email a reference cody covid and the notion of um talent aren't allowed to acknowledge they've even had it yeah i i do i do like the um the fact that like a bunch that, that's a good one actually that the better argument for vince would be the people got corona and they didn't tell anyone <laughs> they didn't yeah. tell anybody and then there was an outbreak <laughs> because they never told anybody oops um in terms of can't, my own nomination i think given all the, the, the when that speaking out stuff happened earlier in the year i think that joey ryan's got a good case for it by starting to go fund me to fund his legal campaign against the accusers <laughs> oh christ God. i completely forgot about that yeah Jesus. <laughs> oh my lord I wrestled Jerry Ryan a year ago. Best not to think about it. Yeah. yeah. That's a pretty bad one, though. I, th- I think that might be hard to beat. Wow. Uh, Neil Robinson on the Facebook page says, what is each member's favorite TV match of all time? Good to have you guys back. All the best for Christmas and the new year. So I guess a favorite TV match uh, off the top of your head. Uh, Easy Flair Funk, I quit. Oh, that's cheating. It's a clash. I didn't think of the clashes. Damn it. It wasn't the, the first. Actually, the first one I, I wrote down was um, was Austin Benoit on, on SmackDown. That's a good uh, match in two thousand and one. And I was uh, I just then started racking my brain a bit, thinking, uh, is there is there another one? Is there another one? Mm-hmm. And I sort of I, I don't know why Flair and Funk popped into my head, but I just I kept sitting sitting there thinking, no, it was the Bash. It's the Bash. And then, no, hold on, hold on, the second match. The cla- that was Clash, wasn't it? Was that good? You know, you sort of, the cogs are saying, yeah, it definitely was. New York knockout, I remember, yeah, that's Clash the one nine. I go for. Yeah. I mean, I mean, um, I mean if, if, you, if you like feeling uncomfortable, then I guess um, uh, Benoit versus Kurt Angle in the, the cage, wasn't it? Oh, that was that's horrific. That was um, a horrific match. But yeah, if you, feel, if you want to feel uncomfortable. But for me, it's, it's, just, it's hands down, uh, it's a 10-man tag. The uh, 2000 man. yeah it's 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 got to be that i mean maybe the stuff in the ring maybe isn't the most amazing stuff ever but just that match will just always ever since luke told me about it i just uh i just keep this going is, back to it so it's this, amazing this is dx and the radicals versus rock foley and too cool on uh, on raw in the okay, 2000 see. yeah yep yep so just for those yep. who don't know kieran you have a choice uh i wouldn't say it's my favorite the best um, the one that keeps that i thought of first was Michaels and Shelton Benjamin. That was great uh, on Raw. Oh yeah, uh, Gold just, Rush, wasn't it? Yeah, it just it was so out of nowhere, and it was it was unexpected, and it was uh, yeah, the peak of the match was was outstanding. So um, uh, hard to do in a TV match. So I really enjoyed that. I, it's not the best one I've seen. Obviously, there's, there's fucking loads of matches. Jesus, um, yeah. but that was the, literally the first one I thought of. I just thought of Shelton. This is, this is actually. The- oh yeah. Springboarding into the super kick for the finish. Mm. Yeah, beautiful finish. Beautiful finish. Uh, we can actually probably do a whole show on TV matches, actually. That's a great T- call. T- TLC3? Yeah, that's not three? a bad one on SmackDown. Yeah. Uh, I, you know what? I fucking... This is a couple this year. Omega and Pack in the Iron Man. I thought it was fucking great. Yeah. Oh, there's been a few this year. How about that eight-man tag, actually? Jesus Christ, that was awesome. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Young really Bucks fun. Young Bucks and FDR into the Lucha Brothers Butcher and Blade was awesome. I love that match. Yeah, 
No, yeah. that's probably that's probably good for you. Shield um, nominations. I I, I really liked um I really liked uh, probably people don't agree, but like last year um uh, I really enjoyed the Darby Allen um Moxley match from towards the end of the year. Um, it's the one where like freaking out that Moxley almost killed Darby. Did the uh was it the paradigm shift off the off the middle the rope second, second rope? Uh, it's, it's a, it was a very simple match, but there was something about that match I just really enjoyed. Like just from the beginning moments of Darby just catapulting himself out of the ring as as Moxie's making his his um his entrance to the, the the body bag and and so on it was just uh there was something about that match I just I just kept going back to and just thought it was a really good tv uh level match and I just thought it did a lot obviously made Moxie look like a badass that he is um and uh Darby looked uh good in defeat as well because it just took a lot it basically damn near had to break his neck to beat him yeah that was good stuff um a Cadillac of a man. Alex Haydash has got a question for us, Carl. Oh, wow. He says, if you could reverse time and change the outcome of one wrestling match, which one would it be? Now, now this, to kind of clarify this question, does it mean like if, if we do change the result, it would change the history of everything that happened after it? I assume or, so. Yeah. At least, it, well, it would have well, to. Well, 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 then men, could, could I technically say then that Austin Rock at WrestleMania yeah. 17 because the business curtailed off after it. That's, that's <laughs> the one I was going with. Yeah, yeah. I'm or, sure. Or to a lesser extent, the Nexus SummerSlam because they had the potential to build at least maybe a couple of stars out of that, but instead it just became the John Cena show. They're, they're the only two I could think about, but I was wanted to clarify the, like the Nexus one. I can understand the frustration, mm. but in terms of just the profound impact it would go on to have yeah um almost immediately um i don't i don't know the numbers off the top of my head i don't, I don't know if anyone else have them but the the drop off almost sort of turning on a dime with the austin turn at the end of 17 yeah. which may well have happened going forward anyway you know wcw and ecw have not long gone yeah there, there was that sense of maybe it's you know, a sense that maybe things might cool off a bit, but yeah, the 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 quick decline mm. uh, is something to behold. It's, it's can, quite can, staggering. Can, can I just mention one way? I'll let, let you guys go uh, to a slightly lesser extent, but along the same lines of like the Austin Rock, uh, maybe Hogan Sting. I probably wouldn't have had Nash beat Goldberg. No, yeah, no, <laughs> no, I think if I wasn't, wasn't Hogan no, and Sting I, before I that, with that. <laughs> as well. I'm just thinking, like, because Hogan Sting, like, the way they just fucked that up when it was, like, a money angle. <laughs> and they spent, a, what was it, a year, a year and a half, they were building up to it, and then they fucking screwed the pooch in, like, the worst way and just took all momentum out of it. Um, I think that was, like, I mean, the Goldberg one's an, an obviously strong one as well because that's where them trying to recover, but I'd probably put that as up there as well because that's kind of felt that's when their high point started to peak and now it was just going downhill. Kieran, any other candidates here? No, X7 really slapped me in the face as the, as the, as the glaring correct mm. answer. At the time, the anticipation of that match was massive for, uh, if you invested in either of those guys. And mm. it was just such an unsatisfying direction to take. 
Yeah, oh, say that again. <laughs> <Fuck> <laughs> it did kill things. So, um, <laughs> Matt Yaxley here has emailed in. There is currently a thread on the F4W board regarding wrestlers who have had the most drastic physique changes or aged the worst, and would like your thoughts on this. To me, the gold standard is and was Hulk Hogan from 1991 to 1993. He goes from looking like the walking epitome of 1980 sunbed steroid sex and cocaine, the good old days. <laughs> To a, leather, to a leathery version of a balloon you've left hanging in the corner of the living room three days too long. He's aged two decades in two years, uh, and by the time he's back on the gear in WCW, he looked like he was pushing 60. When he dropped the belt to Goldberg in the Georgia Dome, Hogan was only 44 years old, which is what AJ Styles is next year. <laughs> sorry, sorry, was it saying worst transformations or just yeah. any transformation? Oh, worst okay. transformation. So I was saying a, a decent one. If it was a decent one, I would have said maybe Big Boss Man because he was a right fat fuck. I mean, he still was, but he like lost a lot of weight. He but, did, didn't he? I mean, I mean, maybe Luger now. <laughs> he did have a spinal stroke. <laughs> I know. I can't. I can't really, I, I mean, most of the time, it's just going to be down to age, anyway. I, I was thinking of Shawn Michaels' weight fluctuation in the early nineties, oh. like, oh. like Chandler Bing on uh, when he was having these painful addictions in real life on Friends. Shawn yeah. would like, get really chubby and fat, and then he'd go like anorexic. Well, not anorexic, but super skinny. Um, yeah, that made me feel uncomfortable for Sean at the time. Jake, I know Jake's never had the perfect body, but I mean, when was was that show that awful show, that worst show of all time? What oh, uh, Heroes of Wrestling. He was a wrestling. Jesus. Well, Tammy Sitch ain't what she used to be. No. no. No, and I must admit, when it when it you know when it comes to to back in the day, sort of you know, nine nine ninety seven Tammy Sitch, yeah, the peak there to the. Yeah. Uh, Mm-hmm. It's one. I, it's one I'm mournful over, and she's still alive. Jericho doesn't look just about as far away. Chris Jericho is aged about five years in the last two. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. like he. he when you look at that press conference when he comes in when he debuts, like he's looking pretty lean. You can see his jawline, and now it's like he's just yeah, there. Uh, he's, he's a fucking rock star. That's why he's fucking drinking most of the week. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Dominoes as well. Jericho, I think Jericho might be on the Botox because he does have. It, it, he had a spell when he started looking a lot younger around the eyes, and oh. I think when his when his Botox wears off, he gets a little, uh, a bit more wrinkly and uh, potato-ish. Ooh. Interesting. Just Interesting. a theory. Another one for the conspiracy corner. Pat Dooley, your buddy Carl, on the Facebook page says, which promotion adapted to the pandemic the best? WWE with the Thunderdome, AEW with the ringside wrestlers, or Impact and others who went with no audience at all, which I'm not sure was a massive change for Impact. AEW. <laughs> AEW, obviously. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd, I'd say that. so. Yeah, as discussed. Uh, as sort of a tangential follow-up, he says, which classic wrestling moments would have been great even without a crowd, and which would be far worse? Is Tyson and Austin, Tyson and Austin, still an iconic moment with just JR's call and no pop? Is Lex Luger's balloon drop somehow even sadder in an empty arena? <laughs> no, look, as we said when this went down, wrestling isn't real wrestling without fans. It's yeah. not It's not in any way, shape, or form, because it's all about interacting. <sighs> It's so hard to get guys over yeah. to casuals who don't know, can't differentiate quality at the best of times, and they go off crowd pops to who, who's who they like yeah. themselves. You know, this is true, people. You you all know people like this. Um, well, I mean, I mean, I guess, I guess any time they use naked Midian probably would have been better without an audience, just for their own personal sake. It's just one of those things without 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 the energy to feed off. 
could could anything really be enhanced by the lack of a crowd? I, I, see, it, it, the question's tough. It's like, to me, no classic moment can be better. But some of the yeah. shittier moments might be better. <laughs> like that match with Brock and Roman at Mania a couple of years ago when the crowd just looked like they went to go and get popcorn at the same time. They didn't care Brock, less. But Brock Goldberg? Brock I, think was... it's, I think it's still a fallacy. You, you, anytime there's like, talking about that sensory input before it puts more the viewer has to focus more on what's actually happening and think about what's happening so something that's shit with poor narrative and poor execution that you're focusing more on is probably going to seem even shitter to be honest yeah uh philip mm. Byrne on the facebook page says thoughts on what jr said regarding aew wrestlers and dives and also mm. the lack of and also the lack of protection of finishes like the DDT and the super kick. Also, we'll, come, we'll get to the next one next. But uh, first question first, JR's recent comments. Just, uh, just quickly, sorry to interrupt there, but I keep hearing about JR's comments. I've never seen the full context of the remarks or read So them, the gist say. of it is, yeah, the gist of it is that he says basically that he hates the fact that in so many matches, the guys cluster up together for the guy to hit a dive to the floor. And he hates the fact that moves like the DDT and the super kick now are used so frivolously to where people he thinks that people at home will say, well, these guys aren't as good as the guys in the past because back in my day, yeah, the DDT and the super kick used to finish guys, whereas now it doesn't mean anything. So these guys must not know how to do a DDT or a super kick. That's his theory. Well, what, I suppose what, what's he considering his day? Because I can think of an extensive period throughout the 90s when the DDT was a transitional move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so I think that that was diluted some time ago. Mm. Um, yeah, the, as, for the, the, as for the super kick, whether or not you want to refer to it as switch your music or a side kick or however you want to describe it, the only person it was ever protected for was if Sean hit it, it would win a match. Plenty of other people did that kick to no effect. Mm-hmm. I, mm. I think I think I think he's overstating there. Yeah. Um, when it comes to the dives, I, I agree. I I. Uh, it's not something I've ever been the biggest fan of the old lineup, like a bunch of bowling pins and fall down. And it just has become a lot more prevalent, but then just dives in general have, I suppose. Yeah. I, I think, I think it's a yes and no. Um, I think as it's, as Carl mentioned with the super kick, I think all it's done really is it's just the super kick's been reverted back to what it originally was, which is it's a kick. Uh, it was Shawn Michaels that elevated it to be something more by, you know, his usage. Um, DT, uh, I mean, you could probably debate that all day uh, whether it would be better, but a lot of people still use it as a finisher and and you know get it over fairly well. Uh, the the dives I do agree with um, when they're all bunched up, but I think that's probably more of an issue of production um, more than them actually doing it. I think it's just if with the cameras lingering on the people all bunched up together, uh, waiting to catch him, I think that's when you kind of get the, the immersion break in. But I think if they they thought about how they're going to show that via camera and kind of hot, I don't know, maybe, maybe use the shot to track the person doing the dive more. Um, if you kind of get what I mean, if they're kind of following them as they kind of do, as they're running to make the dive and then only at the last minute, you see that there's like, <laughs> there's, a, there's a bunch of people forming a crash mat. I don't know if that would technically help, but I mean, if you don't have the group of people protecting them, then really the whole point is just not to do the move at all. Because there's no way you can just do like some of these dives with just one person trying to catch them. If they're going to do like a springboard shooting star press to the outside, it's you. You can't just you can't just rely upon one person, especially if it ends up being someone like the Miz, who's just going to let you freaking crash and burn. <laughs> 
Uh, also, he says, do you think AEW working with Impact, NWA, and AAA is a positive for all the companies involved and the wrestling business in general, or just AEW? And do you think any of the partnerships will form in 2021? I don't really well, see. Well, the hope, the hope is New Japan, isn't it? But of I mean, course, it is. Impact is obviously ben- Impact is obviously benefited because mm. I haven't seen anything to do with Impact in about yeah eight years. And well, saying that, the the viewing figures did go back down to normal this week, didn't they? I have no idea. I wouldn't expect yeah. it to be they, a they, it, the, the, the first time that Kenny appeared last, uh, last week, uh, the viewing figures and stuff did go up. But I think this week they went back down to to normal. So I think. So for them, for them. Normal, I would say normal being negligible, presumably. Yeah, basically. So um, I think, I say, so I think the people who did tune, I think this is what they were saying on Wrestling uh, Observer, where so the people who did tune in did go to see Kenny Omega, and they did stop and watch the entire show, but they didn't necessarily see anything on the show that made them want to come back this week. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm possibly not the best barometer of this in the basis of I'm not. If I use, going back to use Cornette as an example here, um, when it comes to Omega, I'm, and, and his show, I'm not in the Cornette camp of hating absolutely everything um, and sort of the entire guilt by association. But by the same token, I don't love him. So that's not going to, um, that's not necessarily going to get me to gravitate to watch Impact in any way. Um, in terms of beneficiaries, I suppose. It, it it depends how those relationships develop. I, I guess it it may be beneficial to AEW if they wanted to use Impact as some sort of feeder. Um, but I, I can only see that the relationship at the moment being of a, a short term benefit to Impact. I don't think it it doesn't help AEW in the short term anyway. It doesn't in in the sense of. No one's going to get more interested in AEW because they've got some relationship or some sort of synergy with Impact Wrestling. <laughs> I'm not sure how the Impact thing is really beneficial to AEW, um, other than maybe a bit of goodwill. Uh, I, I'm in favour. Individual, the individual company is probably not important unless it was in New Japan, um, which will happen and that'll be great. But um, I, it's a good thing general, generally, um, just because it's a thing and a stigma they can create a buzz about something they're doing which the WWE and fans of WWE have no experience of so it's a new thing to present to people a new angle that WWE hasn't bastardized so that's that's uh, uh, as, as a story as a story device it's it's is something they've that hasn't been done on on the national stage so that's a positive um in terms of AW positives i guess they could get send guys i mean they need to send guys out to other companies to get experience anyway um so there's a potential for for for, for positives there um it's a probably more of an opportunity to move guys around get more guys exposure um so yeah it's just positive um as long as they don't start bending the knee and putting impact guys over on their tv i don't think we'll get many i don't think we'll get any impact guys on dynamite anyway so um i don't see it going that way so yeah positive. I, I really hope not especially during this period where like jungle boy is like not on tv nearly enough in my oh. my taste you know we don't i don't yeah. need to see you know no disrespect to any of these guys but like ethan page or like any like i'm not you know, rich swan it's like i'm not really interested in those guys oh i want to see these guys <laughs> that's why i'm watching this show um 
Paul Stephen Epton on the Facebook page says, all right, lads, hope you're all staying safe and keeping well in this mental year. Couple of questions. Number one, we have seen a lot of aborted angles this year for one reason or another. Just a few that spring to mind are Tyson in AEW, the Lana Live stuff, uh, Retribution, <laughs> lol, he says, Lars, <laughs> Sullivan, Lars Sullivan, also lol. Uh, what are the angles that have been dropped from any time in history that you would have liked to see a conclusion to? One that, one that I would have liked to have seen in a sense of um, bloodlust is, uh, and it, I suppose it didn't really get far enough to have to even get to, to the notion of a conclusion, but um, the only time I've ever really had any interest in Bray Wyatt was the interaction <laughs> with Le- was the interaction with Lesnar. Because the idea that Brock was going to kill them all. Brief though it was because I just wanted Brock to kill them all. Mm. <laughs> um, I don't know necessarily about like um, a storyline or anything, but I guess like a title reign. Um, Rob Van Dam's title reign comes to oh, mind because that yes. was cut like incredibly short and being like a Rob Van Dam fan I was kind of like always waiting for that moment where he'd win like the big one and he finally did and then uh well you know his his usual life happened and and it was just cut short and so I'd like to have seen how that one would have would have gone I mean isn't I mean going back full circle that the, the the slow effects of WWE booking for the last 20 years it's like isn't that kind of the staples? It started off in the early 2000s. They still had the goodwill, and it was you saw the potential in angles, starting from the invasion, things that could go better, uh, things you wanted to see. And so many times, the CM Punk thing, when that went down, that was so hot and so original and so edgy, it felt. And then it was just within a, a week or two, again, absolutely dead. I had his legs cut off. Um, it's kind of the story of the last 20 years for WWE is, unfulfilled promises of potential so um how about just the wwe as uh, the corporate WWE in general should have gone better <laughs> one yeah. big drop angle yeah one dream drop ball <laughs> it's a it's a funny one because immediately i'm not necessarily saying that these um are things i'm i was absolutely desperate for a resolution on and keep me awake at night or anything but your mind immediately casts back to a bunch of things to, to Kieran's point about the idea of them just being one big drop ball. GTV. I was into GTV. A smaller scale than the plunk one, but GTV springs to mind. And I don't know why this one has popped into my head. Um, but do you remember Booker T getting the notes? I still remember. What the hell was that? <laughs> Yeah. I, you know, it's not something I'm desperate to know where they're going, but every you know, you're just sort of mildly curious to think, what the bloody hell was the end game for that supposed to be? So the end game for that, I actually know the answer to that. It was oh, supposed, okay. to, it was supposed to be Goldust um, coming back with a stable of Tyson Tomko and uh, Kevin Furtig, who some were things, some Travis Bain, Travis Bain and Seven were the, they were as a team, I believe, at the time in OVW. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you really missed out there. <laughs> they really pulled the plug on a on a oh. short fire winner. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose one can't grieve forever. On we go. <laughs> <laughs> his next question is mentioning retribution in that last question triggered this one says Paul uh, how would you rebook what was supposed to be WWE's hot summer angle of retribution to which my answer is I wouldn't have done it at yeah. all I was going to say to be glib don't do it yeah. <laughs> I sure would have announced the invasion on Twitter ahead of time yeah <laughs> I wouldn't have given them the and then, fucking and then, names ever and then sign contracts to tear the place down <laughs> god's sake T-bar. Like, teabag. Teabag I mean, I mean, and slapjack. 
I mean, there's, just, there's keeping your, your, you know, friends close and enemies closer, and there's just taking a piss. Yeah. I don't think that a outside invasion angle with a bunch of no marks is really what the world's calling for right now, especially if you were... Okay, so here's an honest answer to the question. If you're going to do something like this, NXT's the answer. Because yeah. the only thing that is like seems to have garnered any real interest in the last year of WWE was when NXT... Because of that fucking shit show yeah. in Saudi Arabia where the people couldn't get back in time. Um, mm. You had that deal where like NXT came to SmackDown and Raw for a week. And like there was quite a bit of interest there. And then they yeah. just dropped it like a hot potato. And then it's never been anything like that since. If, if you were going to do anything like this, that would be, probably be it. And even then, I, I wouldn't care personally. Yeah. No, or, or you would use Undisputed Era or something like that. An actual formed group that had been together for a while. Yeah, but that's not going to... To me, that doesn't... like. The Undisputed Era, God bless them, but they look like the fucking staff at HMV when they come out in their little fucking <laughs> jeans and jeans and hoodies. You know what I mean? It's like they don't come off like a big fucking threat. No, and it's it's one of those things. Like yourself, Liam, I I'm not sure. I, I wouldn't bother with it. An invasion type angle. It's just, yeah, you know, it's just. I don't I don't see the value of it anymore. I don't see it really really gaining anyone's interest. Um, but if, if you're determined to go down that route, it might be worth having a group in which the audience have some sort of prior knowledge of them and can point to a reason for why they would want retribution. I mean, the only the only one that comes even close to that criteria was Ali. The others, no one knew from Adam. You know, and you can say, you know, if 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 you even bring them up from NXT without their NXT persona, so. How, how is there any way to gauge anything? What the hell do they want retribution for? Wait, how were they really wronged? We don't know who these people are. Yeah. Well, um. <laughs> a typical WWE story. I, I, I'm completely ignorant. I don't. I've never. I haven't seen any of the, this, this act. What are they? What is? What is that actually their intentions? Uh, what are they trying to uh, uh, obtain or gain retribution for? Or what? What is their goal? Lose every week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So that's I assumed that it's not actually, it's just a, just a, yeah. it's, it's basically they've done everything wrong that they did right with the shield. It's like it's literally the, the, the complete opposite of the let's shield. Do, let's do everything we did with the shield the opposite yeah. and hope it yeah. works out better. Yeah. And storyline wise, what what is the what what why is this group we, being, put, being put together? We don't know. Well, at least I don't, I, I don't watch it, so I don't know. <laughs> and that Russian. Russian. And that Russian. Everything. Yeah. It's, it's shit. obviously. Yeah, it's basically again we, we we sort of yeah we circle back to the same to the same point sometimes. I appreciate, but again, it's Vincent. It's Vincent knee jerk. There wasn't really any thought behind it. Mm. He saw the anti stuff and, and and all the protest matters over the summer, and decided to try and piggyback off that in sort of a ham fisted way. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Watkins on the Facebook page says you can ban one move from all pro wrestling matches from 2021 onwards. Which move do you get rid of from wrestling forever? Carl, is it the Canadian Destroyer for you? Uh, yeah, I do. Oh, well, I, I do despise that move with a passion and I, d I don't like the I'm not, I wouldn't get rid of the move well, I suppose it's more of a strike than a move really but I would just reduce the number of super kicks it is a bit of a pet peeve of mine. I know in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter, but I do see them a lot, and I just like less of them. I got one specifically, 
Oh, go on. If I may call out an individual, which is Kip Sabian, for what I can only call the Gareth Southgate of wrestling penalty kicks. It's oh. the well, it's a Johnny Wilkinson penalty conversion, isn't it? Surely it looks fucking terrible. He like he runs up, he kicks him, and the way he follows through and his body flails around like a fucking elastic band it looks <laughs> awful. <laughs> well, I, I don't like atomic drops. Atomic drops. Uh, it's what a stupid move. Hold on, hold on. Whoa, 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 whoa. That sounds like <laughs> a man who doesn't have the appreciation of having seen the. Greg Valentine and Rick oh, Ruth selling of atomic drops on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> okay, then maybe the inverse is atomic drop, I will say. <laughs> the one that attacks if, if you're attacking the nuts, it's a DQ. I mean, that's the symbol. Any, any, yeah. any sport in the world, you attack the nuts. It's like, like uh, Dustin Rhodes sets up to the Shattered Dream. It's like, no, Dustin, surely that's a DQ. You're kicking him in the balls. Don't like it. Stupid. <laughs> Joe Ankovic on the Facebook page says, who have been the MVPs of the empty arena slash Thunderdome era? Uh, and what match would have benefited most from a live crowd? I think the MVPs, I go the Young Bucks. Mm-hmm. I'd say Moxley. Uh, Match-wise, um, yeah, probably the Bucks. I mean, because they've had the most challenging matches in terms of getting them over without a live crowd, but they've still had main strav really good matches every single time they go out there so that's quite the achievement Austin Gunn is an aside by the way holler it even though I'd, I'd hate him and would hate to be around him in terms of like making noise god bless yeah. him oh yeah he's uh, he, he's he's sweating out there working <laughs> he is <laughs> he's, he's, he's making his voice heard <laughs> Carl any, any other candidates here for MVP or best match uh, or the match that would have benefited most from a live crowd which would probably have been Kenny and Kenny and Moxley, I would imagine. Kenny and Moxley, yeah. maybe, maybe FTR in the books. Um, Any Orange Cassidy match? There's, yeah. There's, you know, there's, there's no MVP from the WWE side of things of a, of the current era. So, yeah. Alrighty, uh, Andrew Quirk emailed in, and God bless him for bringing this up because I was hoping that somebody would. Hi lads, good to have you back. That Gronk dance shortly before WrestleMania. Oh. <laughs> Gave me diabetes, he said. What were your takes on that Burke seemingly reacting to an invisible cattle prod on his way to the ring? Andrew Quirk in St. Helens. Thank you, Andrew. Doesn't that just some two companies? On one side, you've got Gronk doing that, and the other side, you've just got Orange Cassidy standing there looking cool. There you go. I could not tell you how fucking embarrassed I was to be alive. To be part of the same race as that man. The human race. Uh, when he, yeah, when he I... comes down in front of no fans and he just starts fucking cutting a rug like he just starts dancing around like a dick doing the stripper thing on the ring post like this guy just needs to be shot out of a can into a brick wall he's yeah. just a douche always has been still is maybe long always maybe... will have you, have, you, have you seen have you seen that video online of um uh, the, the the go Vince is going over here going over with him the the, the spot where he's going to fall off the um it's like some elevation. Yes, yeah, or something like that. And Kronk is kind of like like shitting himself. He's like he's not sure like how to do it. And just this freaking old man Vince just climbs over the over the railings and goes, yeah, you just do it like this, and just throws himself off. Yeah, but as we've like, established already, G, that was just they just dropped the marionette. That's not that impressive. Animated yeah, okay. yeah. no. But it's just embarrassing. It's like, come on, guys. this guy's like fucking almost twice your age. For Christ's sake, it's like man up, get some balls, and throw yourself off the bloody thing. That dance paid enough. 
<laughs> made me, that dance made me long for the days of Dusty, Sapphire, and Liz at Mania 6. <laughs> Dominic, <laughs> Dom, Dominic Holgate emails in and says, Gentlemen, glad tidings and happy Hanukkah slash Merry Christmas. Uh, my question is, during your fandom, has there ever been a tag team you really liked that wasn't a typical favorite? Uh, everybody has the standard Hardys, Rockers, Tully and Arn, Foundation, Steiners type of answers for their top team. But I absolutely loved High Voltage in WCW in 1996. <laughs> And I was convinced they had a massive future. One of them did go on to hold the WCW tag team title for a couple of weeks before he was replaced by Judy Bagwell. Uh, any teams you liked that were against the normal grain? Love the 1991 series with Kyle. Keep them coming. Lakayam, he says there at the end. Uh, so, yeah, I guess unconventional tag team favorites. Does two cool count? In terms of there, uh, I guess maybe so, yeah. I don't know. Because it's like you know, two, two cruiserweights. I don't know. Look at that MSG crowd, though, and at the rumble and, and how over they were i'm you know i suppose i'm just i'm, I'm trying to think of something that's against the grain that wasn't yeah. particularly popular or in any way that you, you know what that everyone just had a blind that you just sort of had a blind spot for i you know what when i heard this the first thing i thought was scorpio and bagwell yeah i mean I was, I was oh yeah yeah what about I, um it wasn't really bagwell though that was that was it was I, all too cold yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. like I was gonna go the I was gonna go the acclaimed, but I don't like Anthony Bowens. It's I just it, <laughs> he's he's just a ball around yeah. he's a ball and chain around Max Cass's ankle. So as short lived as it was, uh, oh vicious and delicious. It's a great what? name. Bagwell <laughs> and Norton. You like them, do you? Well, like might be a stretch, but they were kind of funny at times. Bagwell did have it going on during that period of time, as we've talked about in the Monarch War timeline. He he was a good heel until the. Uh, until he turned, well, until he broke his neck, I guess. Um, yeah, so, you know what actually is funny? Nobody ever says the Dudleys are their favourite tag team. Have you noticed that? That's very true. Don't like, for, really a team, for a team that was, like, pushed really hard, yeah. and it's like, you know, it gets the plaudits in terms of, like, how many tag titles there was. Yeah. No one ever says the Dudleys are their favourite team. Yeah. Must be a reason. <laughs> <laughs> what about the way that Devon used to sell, though? <laughs> when Devon um, would... Would do that oh, you, mean, you mean when he when he'd have what could only be described as a seizure on the on the mat? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like um, like Fred, like he had his ass wiped by Freddy Krueger. <laughs> would the uh, would the uh, Spike and Taz count? I guess so. They were a brief team that were, were over for a brief period. Yes, yeah. quite hard actually. Well, while you're chewing on that one, I got another one for you to uh, think about. Richard Shaw, right on the Facebook page, says favorite bad match. Ooh. I, I don't I don't quite get this question really like, because like you're match... assuming that everyone else thinks it's bad because if I like it then obviously I don't think it's bad no, no, no. a match that is so bad that you take a perverse enjoyment out. like to me Goldberg and Taker was hilarious <laughs> uh, I guess technically mine would be because I've already mentioned it countless times is probably be the blindfold match because you guys and... absolutely uh... hate it but I actually find enjoyment in it so I guess that might be my uh, favorite bad match Johnny be bad with DP. I don't know. <laughs> Johnny be bad. Brian Pillman, your favourite bad match. Yeah. yeah. There you go. I suppose um, Goldberg Lesnar could go go into this category just for the the New York crowd. Yeah, that's Ooh. true. Ding and Jeff Hardy was hilarious. <laughs> oh God! God's sake. That's uh, quite special. Actually, you know what? On on the, I you know, I don't like when people get injured, but <laughs> but. 
But, but <laughs> this is going to be great. <laughs> that match in against only Saudi Arabia match, DX versus the Brothers of Destruction, oh, when Sean God. came back, and it's just an absolute fucking like Triple H tears his pack in the first like minute, taking a bump to the floor. Kane's <laughs> Kane's fucking mask falls off at one point, and he's just like scrambled to like put it back on. Sean tries to moonsault from the top to the floor, and he just fucking falls right between the two of them, oh, and just hits the ground. Shit. Looks like I oh, think. Fuck. Well, I, I I think what sums that up, Luke. So I remember, um, I think we were we were actually recording a podcast, and um, just as I come around to you, as you just had the end of it on, um, and I think it was just seeing the four of them there together at the end, almost. Well, obviously, Kane had the mask, so you can't be too sure. But the the general facial expressions, as if to say. <laughs> yeah. Fuck, let's never do this again. <laughs> well, it was, it was the one, because as Triple H was, I think, in the ropes, holding his arm, and Sean was next to him, and just look on Sean's face, and they're talking. You just imagine Sean saying, I can't believe you fucking ruined my legacy for this. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, uh, You know what? One I get, really, I get a great enjoyment out of now. <laughs> Passing a Briscoe. At King I was of the about Ring. to say. I was about to say that. I was about the to say that. The evening gown match is so terrible. But when we yeah. did that, we did that show about worst baby matches, <laughs> and Tommy on the UK fan forum did like the fucking greatest write up of all time, talking about that match. He's talking about you know we get a bonus shot of Pat Patterson's fat ass bobbing up and down with an extra bonus shot of his bulging nutsack. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I can't, I can't watch that match and not think of that fucking <laughs> review. It took us like three tries to read it. What about another one to throw into the mix? Well, that must have been the biggest pop crash Holly's ever got for coming out <laughs> by yeah. some distance. Don't blame us. Um, what about the... Was it called the Chamber of Horrors match? Oh, WCW. WCW yeah, with the Abdullah getting, a, in air quotes, electrocuted at the end. Yeah, that's oh pretty God, good. Yeah. If, if for no other reason, just seeing the... Um, Seeing the lever already switched to on before the match started. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's pretty class. Uh, here's a good one here. Oshin Hanley emailed in and said, after Kempatera recently confirmed that Rick Rude had his knob chopped off before he died. What? <laughs> what? What? <laughs> this is uh, th- this has got to be something from the UK fan forum. What do we have to do to get the penis sent to the new WWE Hall of Fame building they're working on in Orlando? <laughs> They've actually already got it. It's in the um, airtight room with Vince's corpse. <laughs> it's in. It's in. It's in the vault with the million dollar belt. Yeah, yeah. They're going to attach it to Vince. And, and the wrestling dildo that we discovered that time on the uh, the Sleaze Thread show. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the story we talked about it was like I think it was on the Sleaze Thread show where somebody, the Honky Tonk Man, or someone mentioned it. Anyway, so a video came up recently where Ken Patera said that he'd heard from. Of all the reliable sources in the world, Jim Neidhart, <laughs> two days after Rude died, that Rude had to have his, um, his, his, his Franken-beans chopped off because he tried to inject Viagra into his penis and it had gone horribly wrong. Oh, wow. Well, you know, if, 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 if you can't treat Jim Neidhart as a credible source, who can you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here's one that I, I've, I've been fearing... For the, for the bulk of this podcast after hearing some of the stuff we've said so far, Stephen Blamey on the Facebook page says, if you could write one storyline that would be so bad and offensive it would end in the WWE going out of business, what would oh. it be? I would have continued what Vince wanted and do the storyline between him and his, uh, uh, his daughter. Oh, God. <laughs> but would that end That's... with him going out of business, though? Like, we've got to talk about... So well, basically, we've got to get him kicked <laughs> off TV because the- TV's all they've got left. 
I'd book a live sex show with Stephanie and Vince, uh, Alice. <laughs> live sex with Vince and Steph, with mm. Triple H coming out in blackface and uh, yeah. doing his Shane wanking in the corner. <laughs> Especially what we've been seeing for the last sweating. 10 years anyway. Sweating. Yeah. Oh, God. And then Triple H can maybe bust out in his Pakistani voice impression he did in 1998 just for good measure. And then Vince Russo walks out on the stage and the show goes off air of him just laughing. Yeah. <laughs> is, is that Hold, the holding the WCW title. Just That's the hook. Just what the fuck is going on? Let's tune in next week. It's genius. Yeah. I think yeah. we've covered the bases there. We've got some racism. We've got incest. <laughs> Uh, we've got terrible storytelling. But ba- basically, yeah. all, all the things that the company have dipped their toes in the water of, on over the yeah. years. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. Probably a, probably a midget should be punched in the face at some point. I don't know. Just We've got one more here. Tom, and this is, a, this is one for Kieran, ideally. Tom Jones on the uh, 233 on the UK fan forum says, I have one question for you, lads. Predictions for the next year in wrestling. Next breakout star, Rumble winner, etc. Would love to hear your thoughts. Keep up the great podcasts. This seems like one for the wrestling profit to kick us off. Are they doing the rumble? How are they going to do that? Oh yeah, because oh fuck, they don't care. <laughs> well, the, funny enough, neither do I. <laughs> well, they'll 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 just have it in Florida. The governor doesn't care. They'll be fine. Kieran, predictions for the next year, next breakout star, Max Caster. I, I had many times do I have to say it? Max <laughs> Platinum buy shares in Platinum Max Caster now because if they use him right. With, with his little uh, battle rap videos on Dynamite, he'll steal the show. <laughs> he's a, but he's not a tag wrestler, so I'm a bit worried about this, the current situation with him. Mm. Turn the acclaimed into a group of three at least, a little rap crew. Yeah, yeah, we can just have a couple of lackeys and he's the lead. Yeah. Rumble winner could be anyone on the roster. <laughs> honestly. I, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't know where to begin there. I honestly wouldn't. Yeah, neither. Um, yeah, I don't give a shit about the Rumble. Brock, um, thirty. Brock comes back. Star, star wise, um, I would say Ricky Starks. I think Hangman's gonna have a pretty good year at the end of this Ooh, year. Yeah, Hangman's already a star. Come on, man. What are you talking he about? is, but he's gonna be. I think he's gonna be the world. Yeah, he's gonna be the guy that beats he's, Kenny. He's, and he's gonna be. He's gotta be. He's, he's gonna be world champion next year. Yeah, he's gotta be. But we were predicting Hangman to be a big star two years ago, so it's like you got to do something. You know, you got to project. You can't make these yeah, projections that already come true. I, I suppose, but think about where he was at the start of AEW because he wasn't really. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he didn't have a, lot of, a lorry load of momentum coming out of the, the Jericho match, did he? Really? Yeah. Difference. Yeah. No. Hmm. Any big jumps you anticipate this year? Anything, uh, anything, anyone want on a wild limb? What's Daniel Bryan going to do? His contract's up this year. Um, it, when's, uh, when's Kevin Owens? Like, f- years. Oh, well, He's got ages left. Okay. How about, I know they've been talking about a new deal for Riddle, but I wouldn't, I just, Matt Riddle would be a good one. Ooh. He would be. He's got a bit of ill will, uh, online yeah. that he didn't have before, which is unfortunate, but, uh, yeah. For, for some uh, yeah, problems. <clears throat> uh, oh, yeah, he's got his legal case, hasn't he? He does have his legal, yeah. his legal case. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, well, maybe him then. Good heel I material. See, I think him and FTR, uh, sorry, the Bucks and FTR are going to be exchanging the tag belts in AEW. Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think I could see maybe like Jericho and MGF taking the belts off. The books, Ooh. and then mm. I think basically I think a third team will take the belts off the books. FTR will beat the 
FTR will then take the title. So this, again, this is, the, that might be the whole year, but, um, and then so the next books and FTR match will be again as FTR as the champions and FTR will go over the next time. I don't think, I don't think I'll have a rematch with uh, books as champions. Mm. Okay. I'm, ass- I'm assuming there'll be a continued upward trajectory for um, Alan and, um, and Guevara. Yeah, yeah babyface baby Guevara, yeah. maybe by the end of the year. Do you think they'll do pull the trigger on Wardlow, or do you think they'll carry on just doing the not, bodyguard not thing? I mean, that'll be eighteen months, two years away at least. Yeah, yeah. I, nice could, to be I able could, to say that. I could see that happening next year. Mm. I was actually really scared earlier this year when they started doing the teases and yeah. like focusing on. I was like, no, it's way too soon. And thankfully, it seems yeah. like they veered away from that. Yeah, I just, just I just hope that we get a full twelve months of of Hager and Wardlow eyeing each other up. Oh one, my god, that was thing, hilarious! The one thing I'm I'm hoping not to see, and it's something I've mentioned to yourself um, previously, Liam, is, uh, and I'm not I'm not convinced that this will happen. So you know, hopefully this this won't be the case. But I don't want too much of a Tony Khan presence. I don't think you're going to get that. Yeah, I don't think we're going to get that either. Um, yeah. I, I hope not, but it's always, it's, it's always a concern. Yeah. Well, it's the... Yeah. It's, I, it's, I don't think he's Dixie Carter. Well, that's the I was going to say. So when we've had talking to Liam and talking about booking and stuff, and Liam, you say about, hey, you've, it's, it's hard to purge 20 years of debris booking. And it's like, yeah, it's, I don't have that problem because they don't book anything like WWE. But my, no. my, my, my latent fear is trappings of tna and there are there are a number of them um uh, whether it be pacing of shows or um usage of tony khan in the in in the dixie role and things like that um but tony khan's a wrestling fan and he knows what he likes and it doesn't seem to be that direction whatsoever does vince go does vince uh, go back to hogan one more time on top oh why would you even say that? What what desperate nostalgia act, which is what this company is now? Do they reach to next time? John Cena. Next... Cena. Cena's yeah. the big one. Because when Max Caster becomes the biggest star in AEW, <laughs> probably <laughs> and crossover entertainment in general, Vince will be like, "Shit, let's get John Cena on the, on the job." Because you know people think it's the same gimmick, even though John Cena is actually a parody of Max Caster, talent-wise. You'll see this come true maybe in the next three years. I'm uh, I'm hoping that we see uh, the relationship blossom between AEW and New Japan, uh, just for the Ibushi, Kenny Omega stuff. Yeah, Kamega, uh, Kenny Omega's been corrupted and might need his uh, boyfriend back. I just I love I love the idea that one day if they get the crowd back, if Okada shows up, that place is going to go fucking ballistic. With Dude. if Kenny's the champ in the ring, like that would be insane. Oh, don't. <laughs> that'll be that'll be my outlandish prediction for 2021 yeah. is that they do a show in front of people near the end of the year and okada will show up how about that that's a wild oh. prediction for you do you do you think do you think kenny will hold how long do you think kenny will hold the belt for i think he's gonna hold it for a, a long time i love it by the way we haven't mentioned don Callis is fucking brilliant oh yeah yeah that act is fantastic yeah i yeah, love don, don Callis. he's he's a yeah. fabulous addition if nothing yeah. else comes from this impact arrangement don Callis looking like as kyle ross said a guy who will give you a bad deal on a used car is just <laughs> fantastic i we got so many good uh talkers yeah i will say uh I'll, I'll double down on your um new japan prediction this year there will be the new japan and aw um 
crossover will commence this year. Um, not sure if Okada will be the first we'll see. I just got a sneaky feeling Suzuki with the first New Japan guy who just turns up one day. Oh, um, could he lay could he lay waste to the Dark Order just just for my my enjoyment? And no, kill Sabia. I like the Dark Order, so no. Um <laughs> plus the hang- they got Hangman now, so he'll beat the show. Yeah. Um uh, it's, no, it's, they might do some kind of Suzuki Moxie thing, maybe. Um that might distract Moxley away from the world title while Kenny's in his pomp. Um, I will. I will say as a, as a side prediction um, of if the AEW game video game comes out next year, um, I think that's going. That game is going to sell incredibly well. Um, even, even even more so than how many fans are actually watching AEW. I think because of that's like that market's game, a lot bigger. Yeah, is the game the thing that gives them the exposure that actually pushes right. them to the level? Because because there there is there is a lot bigger uh, opening in the vid- wrestling video game market than than there even is in the actual wrestling market because because WWE have just been making trash games for like the last like five years now so even like the WWE fans are like clamoring for just a good wrestling game so if AEW can do that and it has a good creator wrestler uh, engine in it so like they could create their AJ styles or whatever I could see a lot of uh WWE fans buying the game um just just to just to get a good wrestling game so i think that if it does come out next year i think uh, my prediction is that game's going to sell very well well we shall see on that a couple of final comments here gavin redmond on the facebook page says loving your current shows not a question as such i know but keep them coming and kieran swain on the facebook page also says not a question just wanted to say you guys have been thoroughly missed in 2020 have a good christmas guys Two very weird comments to put back to back there, Liam. Well, no, I just put them there at the end. It's just goodwill <laughs> mentions, you know. I, I wanted to acknowledge their their appreciation and say thank you, gentlemen. He appreciates our lack of shows. That's <laughs> <laughs> he says we've been thoroughly missed. Have a good Christmas. No, I, I, to, to be honest, Kieran, I'm, I'm just personally glad that Liam has brought us back back aboard the good ship SCG after a. Carting us aside in recent weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah you <laughs> You've not been turfed off to the side. We've had discussions about this gentleman about Skype. <laughs> you, you and your American friend. Uh, well, with that said, we are unfortunately out of time. If we didn't get to your comments or questions this time, we apologise. But I do want to thank everybody who wrote in. Everybody's been listening with us uh, this year, and hopefully, twenty twenty one is a better year. So. Thank you very much for listening. For Carl Jones. Have a good Christmas and New Year's, everybody. For G. John Chase. Stay safe, everyone. And for the wrestling prophet, Kieran O'Rourke. I told you Cyberpunk wouldn't crash. Got <laughs> 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 it on pause. <laughs> <laughs> I am Liam O'Rourke, and we are out here. Talk to you next year, and Merry Christmas, everybody. I love people around.